Oh, we could go live on Twitch. Oh my god, we could go live on Twitch. We could go live on Twitch. <laughs> we do a Twitch I stream mean, of our podcast. Christ, on we a bike. could do a Twitch stream of our podcast. I kind of want to do it. Okay, I'm about to start recording. Dawn's house because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today we're talking about Babysitter's Club Super Special Number 6 New York, New York. I did not read this as a kid. Um, did you guys? Karen, I know you did because you have so many remembered times. a ton of this. <laughs> Even more now that I reread it. I remember so much of it. Oh my god. Yeah, no, I I definitely read it as well, um, like more than once. I from how, given how well I remember it, but um, I think I like have mentioned it on episodes a couple of times. Like, isn't there a book where they go to New York and they yeah meet a poor person? Um, yeah, turns out he's just sort of middle class, but you know, <laughs> yeah, there's just there's so much in this book. Um, I feel like the there were two previous New York books and Anna Martin was like no no this isn't enough I need more I've got a there are just so many things I need to talk about <laughs> it's yes. five boroughs of fun and I've only talked about one of them so far <laughs> they keep laughing at Marianne for sounding like a guidebook uh, but it's really Anna Martin who yeah. wants to put in excerpts yeah. from guidebooks Marianne is just her mouthpiece yeah this book is basically a guidebook <laughs> I think I think I think Anna Martin knows that she is Marianne in this regard completely <laughs> and utterly Marianne's not too terrible otherwise considering how how poorly she has behaved in some of the the other books but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there's so much in this there's like there's 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 dinosaur skeletons there's a potential kidnapper there's a lost dog there's like an egg flip there's just everything <laughs> <laughs> the fun never stops yeah. They go to FAO Schwartz, like, as the kind of the big finale of the book. <laughs> it's five barrels of fun, I'm telling you. Yep. Uh, so, yes, I enjoyed this a lot, reading it as a kid um, and remembering it, like, on the reread of, like, oh, yeah, this was one of my favourites. Um, one of the, the really dog-eared super specials, um, along with the, the Cruise one. But I think, actually, this is better than the Cruise. Yeah, this is actually pretty good. Yeah, it's a fun one. Like, I remembered... Like a bunch of the details about the, I didn't remember the main crux of the art class thing. Uh, yes, but I definitely remembered Mallory drawing like mice in clothes. Yes, <laughs> I'd forgotten that part. I remember, um, yeah, Claudia having a very hard time with the the art teacher um, in a way that I think I I accepted the um, uh, Mackenzie Clark, the absolutely kind of dead. Revered art teacher that she was going to. I was like, oh well, I guess this is how they teach art. And now, I'm like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> no, I think he's just a dickhead. Yeah, yeah. And he shouldn't be teaching kids. I don't know that much about art, but I don't think that this is how you do it. Um, Aoife, um, how would you like to fit this whole book into one sentence? They all go to New York and have separate adventures. <laughs> Yep, technically accurate. Well done. <laughs> That's a smug face. They're going to get more and more vague as we go along. It's going to be like, 
They they have um, some babysitting related hijinks. I mean, most of the books aren't like this, so it's fine. I can one slow sentence them. This one is, you can't really one sentence it because the plot strands are completely separate. Yes, yes. you're quite right. I like they they don't really make any effort whatsoever to weave them together. It's just like, nope, they're separate. Mm-hmm. Which is good. They're really separate. They they are they they definitely split off in a bunch of different directions um, to enable multiple types of adventure and lost dogs and egg flips. Um, exactly. But, There's something for everyone. Yes. Let's talk about cover art. <laughs> um, Hodges was on his best form for this one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. love this. We have the Babysitter's Club posing in front of the Statue of Liberty. Um, everyone is looking super touristy. We have Stacy and Claudia in the front wearing Hard Rock Cafe t-shirts. <laughs> that has to be Christy because she's got a turtleneck and fuggly brown shoes and she's wearing a Statue of Liberty crown on her head. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Jessie is the only one who would do that. Yeah. Um, Jessie is wearing a very cool New York ballet t-shirt. Her hair looks kind of like she's one of the kids from Fame. Um, she looks mm-hmm. very cool. Mallory looks very dorky. <laughs> she's got her huge glasses. She's wearing a sort of weird, bright green peasant blouse. And she's doing bunny ears over Jessie. Um, very on brand. Dawn is like, I'm disappointed by the California casual on display here. She's just wearing like head to toe denim. She's wearing a huge denim shirt and huge okay. denim jeans. Double denim. Canadian tuxedo. I I wonder if um we're supposed to infer that the um the dark note of the soul that Dawn is enduring in this book is expressing itself in her fashion sense. She is not California casual right now. She's um she yeah. she's dressed in protective garb to try and avoid <laughs> New York natives noticing her. Yes. <laughs> she's just blending into background. Uh, Marianne is wearing. She is clutching a New York map. <laughs> And wearing shorts that say I heart New York across them in multiple directions, which is amazing. Shorts is really committing to it. Like a t-shirt is generally enough of a statement. If if whatever you're wearing on the bottom half of your body is also like themed, then you've really gone all out. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, and she's also clutching a camera. Yeah. <laughs> That's a camera. She's got a pin on her as well, which I think is also a New York one. And... Oh, I think it's got a big apple on it. Okay. Yeah, and I'm also pretty sure that if she wasn't holding a camera and a guidebook or map, that her t-shirt would say I heart NY as well. 100%. Or, or it could be another Hard Rock Cafe t-shirt. Um, although maybe those are a slightly cooler way of expressing your allegiance to New York um, at this point in time, and she probably has something dorkier on. She probably It's probably like a Port Authority merch or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Lincoln Memorial. I don't know if that's in New York. That's in Washington, that. <laughs> that's in Washington, D.C. That's Washington, D.C. Okay. And you absolutely can buy a ton of merch of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but do the legs go in and out like in The Simpsons? <laughs> um, not that I've ever seen, but, you know, I'm not there a lot, so. <laughs> our our British cover art, we're a little bit hampered yeah. by the fact that, like, I, I don't think um, they promoted the specials very heavily on this side of the Atlantic. And so it's really hard to get any kind of usable scan of the British cover art for the specials in particular. 
So all we have to go by is a sort of five by four pixel JPEG that somebody clearly photographed with a Nokia potato phone in about 2001. And that is the only image of this thing that's circulating on the internet. Multiple eBay listings use this same shitty image instead of just taking a picture of their own damn book. This this delights me so much. Yeah, I don't think they have the book. I think they're going to scam you. I wouldn't buy this. Um, no, this this yes. looks to me like um, faceless modern art that's meant to express um, like horrendous early 20th century cultural ennui. Um, all these kind of nightmare people um, with just like color block shirts with no faces standing in front of what probably is Times Square. I love this. This is the kind of shit that like makes me laugh because I'm a dork. <laughs> Um, I we we are fully putting this one on the Instagram uh, in its like <laughs> unbelievably impressionist glory. <laughs> you can only just make out the title, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. It could be New Torque. It could be a different book altogether. Um, I mean, let's face it. If we could see it, it probably wouldn't be as good. <laughs> no. no. This is, yeah, it is a vague gesture in the direction of a bunch of people standing in some kind of place. But I think it's meant to be Times Square. It's meant to be Times Square, but it could be Guernica, as you say. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I, I think they're kind of extra contorted as well. They they like Picasso was kind of right. I'm seeing some flowing hair and just some really awkward elbows and stuff. This is all I can make out. I'm so fascinated. I, I would not be this interested in one that I could see properly. <laughs> There's some very angular limbs, alright, yeah. <laughs> if anybody has a good scan like of their like original copy don't share it with us don't spoil this for me <laughs> i like it this way just leave it i am glad that this cover brings you so much joy <laughs> i think hodges gets my vote yeah because... I'm, I'm here for you. yeah hodges wins he probably wins anyway we know that molary is going to be on this one and like it is a crying shame that we can't get to see what molary looks like in this i would love year. to see molary <laughs> yeah i wouldn't care if the whole thing was blurry as long as there was just a little high-res insert of molary's face Okay, yeah. We so- need more mole person representation <laughs> on this podcast, okay? Okay, correction. If you have a if you have a copy of this book, just send us molary. <laughs> send us yeah, what just like scan like. it and then just cr- clip, you know, crop out molary and send it to us. <laughs> just send us the good stuff. If it isn't molary, we'll be super sad. So just yeah, don't. <laughs> okay, so um, we're gonna start with um, oh god, it starts with like several pages in Claudia's handwriting. Which is yeah. so hard to summarize. It's not too hard to read if you have time, but it's really hard to summarize if you're, for example, trying to skim through it quickly for a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, because like it's just so cursive and you have to parse the spelling and everything. I think it basically is that she um invited herself to stay with Stacy for two weeks in New York. Um and then somehow this multiplied into the whole club was going and over spilling over from Stacy's dad's place into her friend's family's house, who did not volunteer for this, and are just remarkably like, um, like they put up with a lot. Is all I'm saying. Not, no spoilers. <laughs> They're very chill. No, I could have multiple teenage, strange teenagers stay in my house for two weeks. <laughs> That's so long. Like, I, yes, I would not volunteer for that. I know, even for a weekend, I'd be like, okay, I will grit my teeth and do this. Yeah. <laughs> this is why Airbnb was invented. It's, yeah, but... Not, not, I know that it wasn't invented at this point in time. What I mean is that this particular trip sparked the invention of Airbnb <laughs> so that they could get these 
<laughs> these young women out of these people's houses. I suspect you still can't Airbnb in the Dakota. Mm. <laughs> Ooh, I'm I'm curious now. <laughs> I bet that the housing cooperative would kick you out with extreme prejudice if you put your place on Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hang on. So that's in Colombia. So no, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are flats within the... Uh, there are Airbnb places in the vicinity of the Dakota building. Um, and you can stay in the Dakota building in Santa Marta, Colombia. Uh, but not in New York. Okay. Glad to have that cleared up. Sorry, I've derailed this already. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, this is important guidebooky information. Um, okay, the... The most important thing in this is that Marianne is obviously super hyped to go to New York and she wants to sing New York, New York, it's a hell of a town. But because she was raised by Richard Spear, she can't do it. So she sings New York, New York, it's a wonderful town. I thought that was... I had never heard the original Yes, when I read this. So I was just like, uh, Christy starts singing hell and I'm like, oh, is it hell? Why would you not be allowed to say hell? Because I didn't realize that that was like, Americans were real strict about swear words. Like, And I was like, that's not a curse. It's just the word hell. Like, it's not like fuck or shit or something. It's not even like shit, which is a mild swear word that some people are allowed to say. I was real confused. I know. I, I, I did not. This passed completely over my head. I thought that Marianne was being annoying and that was why people were annoyed with her for singing this song. Um, but it's actually that she's singing that. wrong and this this delighted me. There's a lot of actual funny stuff in this. Yes. Do you know the way a lot of the Stacey books are just funnier? There's just yeah. A, yeah something going on there. There's there's more of that in this. Like there's actually some good lines. Sorry, I'm a bit I'm a bit of a fan of this, this one. <laughs> yeah, there's okay. a lot of sass in the Stacey ones. Um and yeah, this one has the same kind of vibe. But yeah, everyone is like irritated by Marianne bowdlerizing herself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually do know that song because when we were kids, our friend Tommy, bless him, who was a nice guy in general, but he would but. give me some weird gifts sometimes. <laughs> and he gave me a CD. And at the time, CDs were still new enough that I was like, oh, a CD, this is so cool because it's a CD and it's all shiny and it does the reflecting <laughs> rainbow light thing. This is so cool. And it yeah. turned out to be winning songs for something called the Gramophone Awards, um, which involves like a really random assortment of tunes that had won some extremely square music awards. <laughs> and one of the things on it was New York, New York, it's a hell of a town. And so I brought the CD home and like with great ceremony, we put it in the machine and it played that one song. And me and my family all kind of looked at each other and were like, what the hell was Tommy doing? <laughs> And we put the CD back in its box and never listened to it again. <laughs> How old were you guys? We were maybe eight. I'm 100% <laughs> sure that like it belonged to his parents and they were throwing it out and they just decided to give it to me. I love random anthology CDs. Oh my God, we're not even in chapter one. Okay, let's get to chapter one. Okay, now we've, we've suitably trash talked our childhood friend who's not going to hear this. Um, <laughs> we'll move on. Um... So yes, Claudia is uh, 
getting very excited to go uh, to Falney, as she calls it. I assume that's how you're supposed to pronounce it. The Fine Arts League of New York, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure is a thinly veiled version of something or other that really exists. But uh, whatever. We didn't bother Googling it. So she explains the Babysitter's Club. She explains New York. Uh, <laughs> it's the home of museums, theatres, the Hard Rock Cafe, Bloomingdale's, the Statue of Liberty, the Empire State Building, Macy's, Head Street, Seaport, Lord and Taylor, Madison Square Garden, Saks Fifth Avenue, and him, Mackenzie Clark, <laughs> who is the artist who's going to be coaching her at Falney. Um, she's very, very, very excited and is packing everything she owns. Um, but... Uh, Stacy is going to review everybody's suitcases before they go to make sure that nobody has <laughs> committed any what Claudia calls horrible packing boo-boos. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very sad that we don't get to see this happen, in particular in relation to Christy's suitcase, which yes. I, I imagined that like this was a very tense discussion. <laughs> I would imagine Stacy just knows there's no point with Christy. <laughs> I hope so. I think it would be more... Um, polite to just acknowledge that. Christy, do you care about being cool in New York? And Christy is like, no. And Stacey's <laughs> like, then everything's fine. Which of these three Collie-themed baseball caps should I bring? Definitely <laughs> all of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they might go somewhere fancy, so she's got to bring the good one, and the ordinary <laughs> one for every day, and then a third one just to mix things up if she's feeling frisky. <laughs> yes, very important. <laughs> This week, the girls are trying to make chili happen as a piece of slang. Oh my god. It means when something is really, really cool. That is some lazy, um, like, just of of all the phrases that have not happened, chili is the one that did not happen the most. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's like, what if we got cool, but gave a slightly different version of it? Yes. Um... And everyone is using it. They've made a pact or something. Because, <laughs> like, previously it was like, oh, honey, it's just you. You know, it's not everybody else yeah. in the Babysitter's Club book. But it, it's not everyone else in the Babysitter Club. It's just you. But in this one, it's they're all doing it like Christ on a bike. <laughs> Stop saying chili. At one point, it was unclear whether the actual place they were in was cold or whether they were saying it was cool. Um, it was it was very unclear. It was totally up for grabs. So she runs through who's in the babysitter's club. She tells us about Stacy. She tells us about Christy. Yes, we get um when Stacy inspects Christy's suitcase, she's gonna have to do some fast talking to convince Christy to add so much as a skirt to her pile of jeans. <laughs> oh well, Christy may be a little less mature than some of us, but we love her anyway. That is catty. I mean it's very typical about the way they talk about Christy. If your friend is a jeans person, don't tell her to put a skirt in there. That will not achieve your aim. It's not going to be the kind of skirt that you will approve of. It won't suddenly no. be fashionable. It will be something that she maybe wore to band to play the tuba in. And she's putting <laughs> it in there to make you happy. <laughs> Just get her to bring a nice top so that she can do jeans and a nice top. Yes, exactly. Jeans and a sparkly top. The, <laughs> the Irish countrywoman's uniform. Speaking as a jeans person, jeans and a nice top goes far. It'll get you through through anything like especially if you take off your runners and put on a pair of nice boots or something or or high heels with the jeans heels (laughs) sparkly heels and then a nice top and then you look like you've made an effort even though you're still wearing your jeans exactly christy would not approve of this um no no i don't think i mean no not really i mean also i just wear i'm currently wearing stripes and check i wouldn't worry about it 
my advice. Okay, they're packing. Uh, the Pikes don't let don't let Mal dress very fashionably. Uh, they're not strict parents, but Mal is only eleven. The Pikes are still weird about trends and fashion. Did you notice um, Mallory's artiness has been really like emphasized for this one? Um, yes. She she spends some of her money on clothes and the rest on journals, materials for drawing and sketching, and on books. Okay, so we need someone to go to art classes with Claudia in this yeah. in this episode, and it's going to be Mallory, who is the only person who's been mentioned as anyone who has a remote interest in drawing. Um, and all of a sudden, I I don't know. I feel like the character's like I don't know, guys. I, this isn't really my thing, but okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. We've never ever heard about her buying an art supply before, ever. No. We have not. <laughs> I think it is just. I mean, I, I was willing to take it as it, like take take accept the Watsonian explanation that like <laughs> she's like, okay, well, I've signed up for this. I guess I better go all in. Okay, fair enough. Actually, I can. She's such a desperate like try hard. I can sort of see it being yeah. like, I've signed up for this because it's what Claudia's doing and Claudia's cool. So if I do this, I'll be cool too. And. Now I'm committed. <laughs> that backfires horribly. <laughs> I know. I, I I sort of would enjoy if like she showed up with a berry and she's like, okay, guys, I'm an artist now. Look, just you just have to support me in my journey, okay? I've, I've decided <laughs> this is what I'm doing. And they're like, okay, Mel. <laughs> yeah. That would be way more justification for how annoyed Claudia is. <laughs> yes. She's just, Claudia is just sort of bitch eating crackers with her and Mallory is kind of, just innocently doing her own thing and being kind yeah. of hapless. Yeah, poor poor yeah. Mallory. Jesus, this is actually poor Mallory. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, then, yes, Claudia tells us about everyone's personal style because it's a New York book, so fashion is one of the themes of the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, she says that she dresses like Stacy, but wilder. Uh, I would say that like Stacy, I'm pretty sophisticated, but I may be the chilliest dresser in the BSC. She just... We're all making various pained faces at this. Mm-hmm. It, it's just the knowledge of how many times they're going to say chili throughout this book. Exactly. <sighs> mm. Claudia eventually decides to bring a second suitcase full of art supplies. Um, and <laughs> I salute her commitment to her twin passions. She really ought to have brought a third suitcase full of junk food. She's going to bring one back, I think, um, f- full of souvenirs. I, I, I actually love how she's like, she's horribly overpacked um on the way out and then on the way home she's like well obviously i had more stuff because <laughs> i went shopping i went to new york what do you expect <laughs> oh yeah i forgot to say our framing narrative for why everyone is writing their own pov chapters in this is that claudia has decided to put together a like illustrated diary of the trip as an art project which i think is actually one of the more plausible explanations that we've had in these specials like Mm -hmm. it works way better than someone is the trip historian or we decided (laughs) to make a diary for like watson as a gift (laughs) like claudia's doing this as a weird art project makes a ton more sense doesn't logan allegedly make people do this at one point as well it's it's all very implausible um no i think marianne made everyone do it for logan she was like logan will want to hear what we got up to in retrospect, it's not that surprising that they broke up. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'll read it later. Um, yeah, th- at least we do get some quite cute little cartoony illustrations of New York, which is um, more nice. to the point than some of the other illustrations we've had in Super Specials. <laughs> Definitely. So our next chapter is a Christie POV. And Christie is um, 
Christy is fun in this one as well. Mm-hmm. Like her, her annoying traits are not really on display, and she's just kind of enjoyably snarky a lot of the time. Yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> New York brings so, out the best in Christy. <laughs> it does. Uh, they all meet at the train station to go to New York, and Christy is horrified because people have visible emotions when they say goodbye. And now her whole family is going to be in public having visible emotions and everyone's family is going to be there. And um, her siblings are all like milling around and making a ton of noise and singing Marianne's bowdlerized version of New York, New York. That cracked me up. I loved that like (laughs) Christy is so annoyed that they have picked up this song. Karen is jumping around singing New York, New York, a wonderful town. The Bronx is up and the battery's down. Mary Ann had babysat for her and Andrew two days before. It's like, oh my God, she's brought it into my family. <laughs> it's so good. She's so outraged I by know. this. They, they came to... I, I find it really annoying when people sing songs wrong. Um, a mutual yes. friend of ours, I, I very politely through gritted teeth told her that she was singing Lauren Hill wrong. And she was like, oh, okay. I like mine better this way. And I was like, you cannot continue in this way. Ah, it's good. No, I, I can't deal with it. Uh, but I, I do love the chaos here. It's actually a very fun chapter of just like, um, yeah. it, a very large number of people running around a station and chaos is happening. And, and teenagers are embarrassed. <laughs> teenagers are embarrassed. Yes. And there's um, a so mortified. brief moment of suspense when, some of the teenagers begin to be suspicious that their parents might be, they're kind of huddled together talking and they're like, oh my God, they're about to maybe decide not to let us go on this trip. trip. (laughs) And then they send Stacy in to defuse the situation. (laughs) Marianne is being cringe. She's brought Tigger to the train station to say goodbye. (laughs) And for a second I was like, oh my god, is she bringing him to New York? That is a cruel, cruel thing to do to a cat. But no, she's just, she's gonna have Richard just bring him home again. Like, this is still a cruel thing to do to a cat. Tigger doesn't care about seeing you off onto the train, Marianne. Yeah. Yeah. She's gonna be one of those people with a cat in a backpack um, kind of thing. Definitely. If they had existed, she would have brought him with them to New oh, gotcha. York and yeah. we know how that would have turned out because of the <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> the, the redacted pet <laughs> the redacted pet that is coming up uh- <laughs> yeah Claudia is sort of wondering if anyone knows that all of these awkward parents and kids are like their property um, and Christy's like yeah I'm afraid so <laughs> <laughs> going by the description there's, there's no also like could you imagine all of everyone's family are there? Mm. <laughs> so many people. Are all the pikes there? Yeah. Christ. I always used to quite enjoy when um, we would come back um, for summer holidays and quite often our extended family would come to the airport just to, to meet us. Aww. Which would be super nice and fun and it'd be like, oh my god, my cousins, you know, so nice. ah, there's new babies and things. I, I feel like that's more expected in an airport. Yeah. Yeah. At a train station, it's a bit odd. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. So yeah, Stacy is, is deployed to try and calm down the grown-ups and make sure that they'll let everyone go. <laughs> when the grown-ups saw us coming, they stopped talking, which only proved that they had been talking about us. <laughs> <laughs> so Stacy's like, so my dad's apartment is ready for us. Well, for some of us. Dad even had the apartment professionally cleaned, Stacy went on. Exterminated too. And they're like, oh my God, What? 
<laughs> Everyone, yeah. yeah uh, Mrs. Ramsey's like, you mean it has roaches? Mrs. Ramsey, you're from New Jersey. It's not that far away. <laughs> Sorry to imply that New Jersey has roaches, but I think it might though. Also, probably <laughs> Connecticut as well. <laughs> and also, like, um, like this is like not news that cockroaches are fairly common in New York, <laughs> even in relatively clean places. Yeah. <laughs> She looked this, as if she this was is not about to cry. <laughs> no, giant sewer rats, I whispered, but Dawn poked me in the ribs. <laughs> well, yes, Stacy said to Mrs. Ramsey, but see, the important thing is that now they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mrs. McGill is like super unhelpful. She's like, anyway, almost every apartment in New York has roaches. They're like flies or ants. Everybody is really upset about this group of teenagers leaving town for two weeks. Um... I wonder, are they protesting too much? Generally. <laughs> Just can't fucking wait. No, do you know what? Nobody can have any swingers parties because all the babysitters are leaving town. Ooh, that's L- literally, true. what is anybody going to do for childcare? Well, they've destroyed the entire like social economy of Stony Brook. Set it up in shifts, right? So one parent, sorry guys, is going to have to stay home and look after the kids while the others <laughs> go and like mingle and then swap over. <laughs> Okay. That's just not ideal. Everyone's kind of depressed about it, I guess. Yeah. You just can't have a proper orgy with half the people missing. <laughs> yeah, like this insufficient swinging. <laughs> For two whole weeks. <laughs> anyway, okay. <laughs> they're off to New York and they're not going to think about these things. Marianne is reading guidebook facts at them. Um, Anna Martin is delighted because she's figured out a way to funnel guidebook facts into the young readers of America. Uh, Stacy is reassuring everyone's parents that nobody would want to buy a hot dog from a street vendor anyway. And Claudia's like, I would! <laughs> Claudia's also not helping. I know. No. I love Claudia's commitment to just eating everything. Um, yes. This is a laudable goal. I feel like it should be encouraged more. <laughs> Definitely. Um, they finally uh, arrive in New York uh, at Grand Central Station. Um, Marianne obviously is ecstatic. Um, they get to uh, Mr. McGill's apartment, and Stacy is thrilled at the smell of the city. And Christy is like, <laughs> <laughs> Stacy says, mm, "I can almost smell New Jersey," suggested Christy. No, Bloomingdale's. <laughs> like, Christy, you're from Connecticut. What are you throwing shade at New Jersey for? I feel like this is Jesse's turn to jump in and be like, hey! Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know, right? We They don't emphasize enough that, like, Jesse is from New Jersey. I keep thinking about that in this, this book. Like, there should be some more rivalry going on, shouldn't yeah. there? Like, You'd think. I mean, I think, I, I assume you guys are kind of like me and, like, Everything you know about New Jersey is from sitcoms about New Yorkers who make fun of the place. So yes. I think that's where Christie's getting her like anti-New Jersey banter as well. I've read a couple of Atlas Obscura articles about New Jersey linguistics, um, which Solid. probably has not informed me that much about what life is like in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know. They're quite interesting. But yes, I know it's a it's a near neighbour and a rival, so you know, that that's that's enough for me. <laughs> um and also they're like this this exchange between Christy and Stacy is also an actual joke and they are all canonically laughing, which is which is good because they're quite humorless in some of these <laughs> books. Yeah. Yeah. Um 
Marianne notices that Dawn is looking a bit tense. Um, at one point, when they're getting a cab to the apartment, uh, they nearly get in a crash and the driver like screams obscenities out the window. And Stacy is like, welcome to New York. And Dawn is traumatized by this entire interaction. <laughs> um, yeah, even Marianne is cool with it. Yeah. I know that Dawn is from... Anaheim so like she's not from she's not from LA but she spends actually a chunk of time in LA they actually visit a lot of tourist stuff there she's not from like the middle of nowhere she is used to big cities and I know it's a different type of city but you don't walk around LA (laughs) so she's afraid of pedestrianism (laughs) I mean which you wouldn't think so given her hippie antecedents and yet and yet yeah I don't know. I don't know what to what to say about all of this. It is it is already established that Dawn is afraid of New York for some reason. That was bizarre the first time it happened. It's bizarre that it's still happening. Um, like I don't get it either. No. It's really her. It's her character arc. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a stupid character arc, and we don't like She's it. She's got very very specific agoraphobia, and <laughs> I will stop complaining about it because you know we need to support her in her hour of need. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure, she should take an antihistamine and go to therapy already. They all should do that. <laughs> Yeah, only 40 more books before we get Abby, who actually needs to take antihistamines. <laughs> finally feel seen by this series. <laughs> I, I think all the rest of them should go to therapy and Abby should take the antihistamine because she seems pretty, you know, like she's getting on fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get the closest acknowledgement to the um, John Lennon shaped elephant in the room that we've ever gotten in these books. <laughs> Uh, when they're going over to Lane's house and Marianne is, as always, gushing about the Dakota. She says, the old movie Rosemary's Baby was filmed there. Famous people live there. Famous people have died there too. Peacefully in their beds, no doubt. Yep. (laughs) Apparently Anne is determined never to mention John Lennon's murder, but like... It's so weird. It's very weird. It's very, very weird. But yeah, this is the closest she's ever got. So I salute her on making progress, I guess. I do like this little sketch of the Dakota building. It's super cute. Yeah, we have various like illustrations of various New York sites. Because, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Anne has really just gone full Marianne in this, really. She's living her best life. Yes, Marianne worries that they may not be dressed appropriately for the Dakota building, but it's fine. Um, then <laughs> she feels bad about their suitcases, like, marring the aesthetic in the Cummings' living room. So she's very relieved <laughs> when they put them away in the guest room. <laughs> Mariana's eavesdropping um, in Lane's room on yes. Mallory and Jesse unpacking in the guest room and talking about how cool all the trees and things are. And she yells, that's Central Park, I called from Lane's room. I thought I heard someone say something about a talking guidebook, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> As a kid, I was like, does somebody have a talking guidebook? Is that like an audiobook? That's <laughs> I just did not know the sass. Yes, they do have a talking guidebook. Yeah. <laughs> they should have left her in Stony Brook. I feel so bad again about how much we mocked uh, Jeanne Betancourt in the Halloween super special episode before we knew that Marianne is actually canonically a talking guidebook pain in the ass. Yeah. yeah. Listen, yeah, we should not do them out of sequence anymore. <laughs> I think yeah we we made the mistake of thinking these were episodic and they <laughs> there is continuity here that we need to yeah we need to follow a little bit um then the doorbell rings dawn screams in terror um <laughs> so funny this is meant to be like 
yeah, Don Don being hilariously on edge, but I regularly do that when the doorbell rings here, so <laughs> Well, Dawn is like Gen X, not millennial, so she's I was gonna not say Dawn's to... not a millennial, she should be okay with it. Like, <laughs> That's a good point. They haven't invented the I'm here text yet. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, alright, I'm just a product of my generation. Yeah. So in come a bunch of stock <laughs> English people from Central Casting. Um, yes. They are called the Harringtons. They are neighbours of the Cummingses who, or no, sorry, they're the cousins of the Cummingses neighbours and they're doing a house swap thing. Um, the Harrington parents are some kind of like foreign diplomats or dignitaries or they're definitely some kind of spies or something, whatever. <laughs> Their kids are terrifying Edwardian ghost kids. They're basically <laughs> the two little kids from the others. Yes, Definitely. There's Alastair and Rowena. You can tell they're English because they say hello instead of hello. Imperceptible difference. And they also, like, say brilliant when they think things are good. Yes. <laughs> uh, instead of awesome, I guess. Yeah, or cool. Yeah, it's like they've done this very, very superficial... Um, Localization. Yes. And then, like, fucked up the rest. Like, Yeah several times. They also put an E at the end of Alistair, which is not a thing. Yeah, Alistair's, yeah. Not typical, no. Like, they're wearing sailor suits. Yeah. Yes. Fully, yes. I, I'm, the fashion report is going to be mostly Alistair and Rowena updates, like, <laughs> they have so many outfits and they're all extremely extra. What braces are they wearing today? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know what Anne thinks about what English people are like, but like, even very posh English kids don't wear sailor suits on holiday. Yeah. Unless they're literally in the royal family. Did they in the 80s? I mean, they go to all the effort, right, of saying hello, of writing hello, mm -hmm. and having them say brilliant, and then they keep asking to go to a toy store. <laughs> I feel, though, if you're a small child and you're like, there's a thing they call it in the States, and this is the thing that is most important to me in the world. I will <laughs> learn the local term. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> That's fair, actually. Excuse me, my good sir, where is the toy store? Can you direct <laughs> yeah. me there, please? I have a lot of cash. <laughs> I would have definitely made a big thing of yeah. doing that when I was a kid. But I, Yeah, I don't think Anne has put that much thought into it. I think Anne no. just forgot. Yeah. Um, because this is a babysitter's club book and it wouldn't be complete without at least a token amount of babysitting, mm -hmm. uh, the wealthy diplomats have hired a housekeeper for their holiday, but have not thought to find any childcare. And they're going to be off, like, diplomating the whole time. <laughs> so they hire Stacy and Marianne to, like, be combination babysitter slash tour guides for their two kids. Um, which... They, Stacey and Marianne are thrilled about this because Stacey knows all about New York and Marianne knows all about New York and she can info dump <laughs> with the kids all day long and get paid for it. So she's happy out. Yeah, it's a real wish fulfillment fantasy for Adam. Stacey is a bit worried that like Dawn will feel left out because she's like being ditched and everyone else is making plans. And Dawn is like, no, it's fine. It's okay. You go live your lives. <laughs> Um, everyone is weirded out, but like, just doesn't really engage with this. So, uh, yeah, the important thing is Stacey and Marianne have kids to babysit. Yes. Yeah. I mean, to be fair to everyone, honestly, I, like, I, I, I know this is really unsympathetic for people who are genuinely afraid of things. I know, I know it is. 
but I would just not have time for John's shit. <laughs> I I would not. I would be like, okay, you have decided to stay behind. Bye. That is pretty much what the way they... And I would not worry about her. They worry about her more than I would. <laughs> I'm like, no, she didn't have to come. <laughs> yeah, it is a funny one. Um, like, obviously you have to have Dawn so that you can have this plot line. Um, and because Dawn is a registered member of the team and it's probably in her contract. Um, but like, <laughs> yeah, you it would have made so much more sense for her to stay home and just scoop up all the residual babysitting jobs <laughs> and like not yeah. have to be miserable in New York. Do you know what I bet? What? I bet Anne had a friend come visit her in New York and this happened. Their friend was like, oh my god, no, I watched The Warriors and I read Welcome to Fear City and I refuse to go outside (laughs) because I will definitely be like eaten by some kind of underground cannibal mole people. And (laughs) Anne was at fucking breaking point the entire time they were there and this is her way of like working through that. Okay, I'm back in. Good theory. (laughs) I don't think it's true because she's very sympathetic to Dawn in her like Dawn POV chapters. I mean, she's like... I know it's a bit irrational, but I'm staying home. But she's not, like, fucking obnoxious. (laughs) But that was her working through it. Exactly. She's like, I'm going to try really hard to empathise with my dweeb of a friend who couldn't handle (laughs) New York. (laughs) That's it. That's it. And she's really good at it. (laughs) Yeah. She gets into that headspace and it's fine. Yeah. Dawn is spiralling. Um... She says, I keep uh, remembering all those horror stories I read about crime and danger in New York City. Stacy says that's not fair. She says we can find crime and danger anywhere, even way out in the country. Thanks a lot, Stace. (laughs) (laughs) Dawn's like, maybe good old NYC wouldn't have such a bad reputation if so many awful things didn't go on there. Yes, but that's what urban metropolises are. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. this this is not exclusive to New York. Cities are just like this. LA is a hellhole too. It's a, just a big tent. It's a big city. There's a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as Stacy says, you can get murdered anywhere. All Dawn cares about is the incredibly prolific pickpocket scene. <laughs> Apparently at a street fair, 59 people got pickpocketed. Um, <laughs> that seems real low. But yeah, that seems quite low. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's well done. The, whoever was keeping the like place free of pickpockets. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> Probably the pickpocket union <laughs> what like ankh work yes exactly guild. do you ever just wish you lived in ankh work <laughs> frequently and then i think about the smell <laughs> okay yeah fair enough stacy sighed i'm not gonna argue with you don i'll just ask you this did anything bad happen the first time you visited me in new york i grinned we all got into a huge argument how about when you visited me when i was in the hospital Nothing happened, I admit it. I mean, Stacy nearly died. That's not New York's fault, but like, <laughs> I wouldn't describe it as a visit when nothing bad happened. They all got kicked out of the hospital. I don't think Stacy would have appreciated that, um, you know, <laughs> as a, a bad New York thing. Is it's <laughs> you ruined my trip to New York, Stacy, with your illness. <laughs> okay, yeah. good point. They they don't talk about this that much, Um which is interesting because in a lot of ways it would make a lot of sense if they were like, listen, that was a really stressful and traumatic trip for everyone. How about we go back and have a lovely holiday and sort of, you know, get over it that way, which is, I think, kind of what they're doing right now. But yeah, what they're yeah. actually doing is writing a super special. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they can have a lot of random adventures and nobody is that fussed about the context. It is nice that they acknowledge that she was in hospital two books ago in this city. <laughs> yeah, like it's very recent and was kind of traumatic. 
Yeah. But like, nope, they've moved on. Christy points out that Dawn should also worry about things falling off construction sites and hitting her on the head. <laughs> and Stacy does not appreciate her contribution. <laughs> Christy is one of those like obnoxious skeptic types. <laughs> I I love how much people are accidentally escalating things in this book. Yes. That's kind of a recurring trope and it's always great. It's really funny. <laughs> yes. Don't worry, we had the roaches poisoned, it's fine. Yeah. There were roaches? There's poison? (laughs) Dawn is running through all of the terrifying things she's seen since they arrived. They saw police officers and homeless people in the train station. Mm -hmm. I bet they have like... Okay, I was going to say I bet they have homeless people in Stonybrook, but I bet they don't. I bet the Civic Centre buys them a ticket out of town so they don't you know, get into the statistics. Yeah. Um, Don then sees a cockroach the size of a dollar bill and becomes hysterical. Um, It turns out this is in fact a candy wrapper, uh, which Claudia (laughs) successfully identifies as a three musketeers. She just thought it was a bright yellow cockroach. Fluorescent cockroaches in New York. Oh my God, they're mutated. It's because of the garbage and the, 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 industrial contaminants upstream in New York State. Exactly. It crawled out of the Gowanus Canal. (laughs) No, it's because of those canisters of toxic goo that turn terrapins sentient in the sewers. Exactly. (laughs) Cow bucket. And we know that they are a thing in the Babysitter's Club reverse, so she knows about that as something that could happen. (laughs) She's like, I know what goes on in New York. I've been watching the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Exactly. (laughs) You can't get anything by me just because I'm a Californian hippie. (laughs) (laughs) Then she freaks out that a random man at a newsstand is from New York's 10 most wanted list, which she was watching on some kind of fear-mongering documentary. Um, But he is some random cop, which, as we all know, does not preclude the possibility of him being a real bad guy. But Mm -hmm. uh, this book isn't about that. No, um, she's very annoyed that Stacy's dad's apartment doesn't have a burglar alarm, uh, but she forces herself to politely keep quiet about it. But um, she she would much rather be staying at Lane's apartment because it has security guards and things. Because John Lennon got murdered there, you guys. But we're not going <laughs> to talk about that either. Uh, I don't really understand the reasoning for her not going over to Lane's, except for plot reasons. Um, I think she's too afraid to move over there. Yeah. Um, like, she she just doesn't want to pack up her stuff and go. But then we also see her going over for a quick trip to settle the other girls in because she's too, like, peer pressure is the only thing that she's, like, more affected by than terror. <laughs> which so. actually, that's quite relatable. Yeah, <laughs> she's 13. <laughs> I don't want to drink this thing that I've been offered but because I think I'll die. But also I can't say no to it because yeah. someone has offered it to me. So Exactly. Okay. Everyone else is doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Does she kind of know that this is, like, not reflective of real threats on some level, or...? Maybe, yeah. Because, like, if you genuinely thought you were definitely going to die in the next two weeks, you might just get a train back to Stony Brook, so... Yeah. Yes, I think some part of her knows, like, she probably won't actually die. Wow, you just way to ruin your holiday for yourself. (laughs) Yep. So bad. Okay. So they go out for dinner. Um, then 
yes, Dawn sits with her back to the wall and monitors who's coming in and out in case, like, a murderer comes in or out. My husband likes to do that, but just for just for entertainment purposes. <laughs> As a bit. He kind of likes to think he's Jack Reacher. <laughs> oh, bless. That's adorable. He's not Jack Reacher. No, he does not. He does not know anything about Jack Reacher, but it's a very similar stance of, you know, like, I will just make sure I know who's coming in here. <laughs> I've seen your husband's fists and they're not the size of Christmas turkeys. They're probably more the size of Christmas turkeys than fucking Tom Cruise's are. <laughs> yes, that's true. But like... As your husband is actually tall. Yes, our he's a large man. are probably bigger than Tom Cruise's. <laughs> As yeah. we know, Lee Child is a tall, muscular, blonde man who works in IT. It's very similar to my husband. <laughs> not similar to Tom Cruise at all. Sorry, this has been your Lee Child uh, digression. Tom Cruise is grotesquely miscast. Some year I think we should do a 4th of July Jack Reacher special. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. I would um, come to this a Jack Reacher virgin. And it would be amazing. <laughs> cool. Um, oh, he, he wasn't miscast, he cast himself. He was like, I will die if I don't get to play Jack Reacher. And they were like, okay, even though you are not the person for this. Fair enough, you're Tom Cruise, off you yes. go. <laughs> You're a very small, dark-haired Scientologist. <laughs> You're not um, a Jack Reacher. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Greg Davis from Taskmaster would be a better Jack Reacher. <gasps> He'll be so good. Because yes. he's six like, foot eight. It would be a comedy Jack Reacher. That would be amazing. I, I, I want in. Also, because Lee Child is a fucking Englishman. Yes. <laughs> Jack Reacher occasionally says English things by accident. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay. I'm just going to like... Think about how amazing that would be and cry a single tear if the fact we'll never get to see it happen. Dear Greg, please be Jack Reacher. <laughs> Thank Stacey you. is so sophisticated that she knows how to ask the waiter for the check when they finish dinner. <laughs> um, the absolute height of urban sophistication. I think it's more, th- it says that she enjoys it. Um, it's kind of her thing and that Mr. McGill lets her do it because she enjoys it, and which is kind of cute. <laughs> and Don says, it's as if she and the waiter know a secret code. <laughs> Yeah, it's like waving your hand in the air like you're writing. Yes. <laughs> That's it's, the code. It's not that secret. <laughs> Dawn has to sleep in the living room, which she's furious about because the fire escape opens out from the living room and she's afraid that murderers will come in through the fire escape. Mm-hmm. She is driven mad by the noises of New York City at night. There's voices, car horns, sirens, a screech of brakes, a car alarm that says, burglar, burglar, burglar. <laughs> Which sounds like actual torture. I'm so mad <laughs> that this was ever a thing. I would go out there and burn the car. <laughs> if it went on for, yeah. If it went on for like a minute, I would be unstoppable with rage. I would, I would go like Jack Reacher on one of his killing rampages. <laughs> the next morning, Dawn is appalled that um, everyone else has plans and she's going to be just left to sit around the apartment alone. Um, But Christy very kindly turns up at the apartment at lunchtime and says she will come and keep her company, Uh, which is generally very sweet. I think that's nice. Yeah, I I think Christy's a fool and I wouldn't have done that. I genuinely, (laughs) I am absolutely disgusted at Dawn's behaviour. Like, like it's the fact that she's moping and sulking about it. And I'm like, like, I'm all alone because nobody else is doing this thing that I'm doing. And also, she's not asking for what she needs. She's not saying, no, I don't want to sleep in the sitting room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is being weird about it. But like, yeah, it's like- I think um, 
Yeah, I've forgotten you had that upbringing where you weren't allowed to have irrational fears. We weren't allowed to have irrational fears, yeah. <laughs> Whereas my upbringing was, was like, we all celebrate our irrational fears. So I think I'm I'm feeling more sympathetic to Dawn than you. I am surprised that um, Christy is, I would expect Christy to show up and be like, Dawn, we're going out. Yeah. You know, um, she comes over to keep Dawn company. That's not very Christy-like behavior. Um, no, she, she she hangs out and watches daytime TV with her and as far as we know doesn't try to like snap her out of it which mightn't be the most helpful thing but really is a very Christy thing and honestly is probably what I would be doing as well be like yeah. I can be sympathetic for 42 minutes and after that I'm going to start giving you advice <laughs> which may or may not be welcome <laughs> I think Christy's just really nice in this like she's just she is it is lovely of her I think what gets me is the fact that she's not um yeah, she's she's being so fucking mm. passive aggressive about it. Like, my friends all abandoned me. Did you ask them to stay? Did you join in? Say you wanted to join in with any of their plans? Did you make plans of your own? Nope. Well, they've made plans. I think I am just perpetually inclined to underestimate Thresh rather than overestimate. Wow, what's that like? So I just can't fathom that. <laughs> well, just for traveling and things. Yeah, I can enjoy being in London for about two days, and then on the third day, I start to turn into Dawn. <laughs> I, I start to be like, "There's too much of everything." Mm. I, I think about how far the city extends in every direction, and I start to feel very, very panicked. Um, there's just so much of it, and it just goes on for so far. I suspect if I spent two weeks in New York, I would have a similar reaction. Fair. Yeah, New- D- London is sprawling. Like, Dublin, uh, about the point where I live, is very close to the city is turning into fields. Yeah. And if you keep walking in any direction, you're going to encounter cows. And it feels manageable, even though Dublin is large. But it's not outrageously large. Yeah. But like, yeah, no, I'm picturing two weeks in London and I actually would would have gone full dawn after the first week, I think. <laughs> we next have a Stacy chapter where she tells us about how much she loves waking up in New York. She loves the noise. She loves the dogs barking. She loves the trucks and the voices outside. People She's... swearing at each other. <laughs> <laughs> she is the exact opposite of dawn. Um, she uh... opens the window and yells, Good morning, New York! Um... <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, Claudia on the floor is unimpressed. <laughs> Just imagine you doing that in any part of Dublin. <laughs> Good morning, Dublin. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Listen, is your niece okay? <laughs> the neighbors are outside, like shouting out the window. It's a bit weird. <laughs> Stacy, like. It takes a moment to undermine Dawn's version of events because Dawn claims she didn't get a wink of sleep because of the terrifying noises. Stacy says she definitely found Dawn asleep in the living room <laughs> early in the morning. I know. And I'm like, yes, but also like, if you're awake in terror till 4am, you will actually sleep quite soundly between 4 and like 8 or whenever you actually get up and still be exhausted. So I, I feel like I'm, Dawn is not that off, off base here. She still won't feel rested. Like, yeah. Um, Stacy has a quiet conversation with her dad over bagels. 
she's a bit appalled because he's going into the office to work and Stacy is like, oh, I guess this is why my mom divorced him because he works too much. <laughs> um, this doesn't really like, this isn't a plot thread. It's just a sort of like passing moment where she's like, oh yeah, that does kind of suck. Mm. Claudia and Stacy get ready for their babysitting job with Rowena and Alistair. Um, and they agonize a bit over what to wear because they were going to wear like messy clothes, but then they realize these kids are going to be dressed in their sailor suits. So they should like dress up a little bit. Word for word, I remembered the conversation about grubbies, which is... <laughs> I've never heard that term. It's such a good term. I, we, I used to call them mucking clothes as yeah. when I was a kid. <laughs> I think Stacy has just come up with it on the fly, but Marianne knows what she's saying. And I think it's just charming that they have that kind of like, yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, she's she's got things that have paint handprints on them already, presumably, which nobody knew about. <laughs> As Marianne says, I didn't know you had grubbies. <laughs> it's like how Claudia wears her plainest clothes to the Rodowskis. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so then they decide that actually they're going out with the children of dignitaries, so they're going to put on something halfway decent, if not, yes. like, you know. Jeans and a nice top. <laughs> not heels. Oh my God, I hope nobody is wearing heels. No. There's so no, much no. walking in this book. Yeah. Endless, endless walking. Something that actually I'm noticing is Anne never puts anyone in heels. There are no heels. These girls are always in sensible shoes, and I appreciate that. That's true. They could be... Their feet are still growing. Fancy, sensible shoes, but they are not high heels. Yeah. Cowboy boots is as high heel as it gets. Yeah. I think, did Christy's shoes for the wedding have a little heel? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like a kitten heel. Yeah, and yeah. that was the only one that, and that was a big thing. It was like, and the shoes had a little heel. Yeah. Oh, good for Anne. I like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they they have delicate growing feet and we, we don't want to mess up their posture. So yeah, they're wearing practical shoes for babysitting in. <laughs> Rowena and Alistair are pretty dressed up, but at least not dressed uh, head to toe in white. Uh, their diplomat parents are dressed up in something unspecified, but extremely fancy. And I really wish we had got details on that. Mm -hmm. um mrs harrington then gives them a huge stack of walking around money for expenses um <laughs> a wad of bills <laughs> i know it's amazing a whole wad i would love a wad of bills yeah i'd yeah. love somebody to give me that i would i would take kids around new york for a day pretending to know what i was doing oh yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> uh yeah she just gives them this fistful of cash and is like don't give them too many sweets but show them the city the way a child would want to see it <laughs> Like, this just does sound legitimately great. Like, this is just a license to have fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be awesome. I would yeah. do that. Definitely. Like, it makes a certain amount of sense that they have picked young people that they don't know very well and are not trained in any way <laughs> um, for this particular job. I feel like, well, they're, yeah, but they're young. You know, they'll, they'll kind of understand. Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise, this decision, as we will see later on, is not a very sensible one. <laughs> No. <laughs> That's true. There is some further context that makes this a much more sensible decision than it seems at this point. <laughs> ah, our neighbours know some children who do babysitting. <laughs> That'll <laughs> Apparently, <do>. yeah. <laughs> to walk around one of the biggest, most bustling cities in the world with a wad of cash in their hands. Yes. Um. So they <laughs> take the kids off and show them the wonders of Central Park. They are... Uh, blown away by the vast variety of different people they see a young man and a very noisy little girl a couple and their baby 
a tall man wearing sunglasses and a rain hat, and a mom with two little boys wearing identical outfits. That's not that wide a gamut of people. Like, like honestly, <laughs> I, I could see that walking in the park down the road from me. Yeah. I don't have to go to New York to see some people. This is a very standard assortment. I, I had that highlighted as well, and I was like, this is not special. And then I realized there is one entry on this list that we are calling attention to. Oh, you know, I understand why they did it, but they could have put some interesting people in the list. You know, like, we we saw a man with a lizard on his shoulder. You exactly. Know? Yeah. The kind of wacky thing that I assume happens constantly in New York. These are just random bystanders. <laughs> like, <laughs> It is Marianne's POV, isn't it? Uh, no, it's Stacy. Oh, it's Stacy. Because if yeah. it was Marianne, she's like, oh my God, you guys, we saw some humans. They were walking <laughs> around. It was so New York. It was the most New York thing that ever happened. And the rest of them were like, shut the fuck up, Marianne. We expect better from Stacy. <laughs> she's used to seeing humans in New York. Exactly. <laughs> humans of New York. <laughs> so the kids love Central Park and a good time is had by all. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Claudia and Mallory go off to... Fal of NY, as Claudia calls it. <laughs> um, she's very excited. They, oh yeah. Claudia gets up at the crack of dawn on Monday morning. If roosters lived in New York, they would have been crowing when I first woke up. At least, I think they would have been. I'm not all that familiar with roosters. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. I saw some roosters today and they were crowing at like 4pm. I think it's just that they start crowing when they wake up and then they keep going. Yeah. It's yeah, not like, oh. they crow oh. all day. Like. Yeah. <laughs> when I was very small, we went to Inishman on a holiday and it was the first time I'd ever seen like pretty much any kind of farm animal in person and the, the roosters crowed all day and my mind was blown. I was like, I have been lied to. What is going on? For all of my five years, I have been lied to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my whole life. Also, a donkey hee-hawed at me unexpectedly and I nearly passed out. Isn't it the loudest, most alarming noise? It's, it is, when you're not expecting it. It's very sudden and it's very loud. And the eat bit is like an inhale. Yeah. And the haul is like the exhale. Yeah. It was terrifying. I was very, I was a very city kid. Oh my god, I don't know if I've told this story before. Um, When we went to one of the Iron Islands in second year, so in like 1998, and we were all like, everyone's renting a bike. And I was like, oh no, I'm so bad at bikes. And there was like 90 of us on this school trip. Um, And I was one of the three or four in the very back with the Irish teacher who was deputized to mind us, basically. And I remember seeing everybody kind of confidently steaming ahead over this hill. And because I was at the back, I could see every single person would reach the crest of the hill and go, ah! (laughs) <laughs> and then keep going. And I was like, what is happening? I saw it happen like, you know, 87 times before I got to the top of the hill. And then when I reached the top of the hill, I was like, okay, I'm braced for this, whatever it is. Um, there was a ridge just right next to it. And there was this huge cow looking down <laughs> over the top. Every single person had been startled by the cow on the way down. So I hope that cow had great fun that day, just like freaking out all of us. <laughs> That's amazing. Cause like, Everyone must have gone through the same arc as you. Like, the people up ahead of me are freaking out, but I'm going to be different. Ah! <laughs> it was just a momentary, like, well, yeah. It was a very, very big cow. Like, so just, big. I remember this being huge. You must have been there as well. Do you not remember this? No, I couldn't go oh, on the no. trip. Uh, 
there was like something that I had to be at, like that I was really, ah. really pissed off about having to go to. It was like some fucking family get together or something, and I was furious. <laughs> to be honest, that was the highlight. I'd say it was. Uh... <laughs> I would have rather got scared by a cow, but <laughs> anyway. So Claudia um, is tremendously excited. This is a really funny detail. So she's really excited to be tutored by this guy Mackenzie Clark. But because the internet hasn't been invented, even though he's one of her heroes, she has absolutely no idea what he looks like or anything about him. Mm-hmm. And she's expecting him to be like an elderly Santa Claus looking guy. Um, it's just crazy <laughs> to me because like that could not happen now that you would be a huge fan of someone and not be like extremely familiar with what they look like. At least read their Wikipedia page. Exactly. There might not be a picture if you were dedicated enough to being like, oh, I'm the guy whose art is actually just a series of metal plates on the floor <laughs> that um, represents the um, pain of, uh, you know, modern existence. They're all painted grey. It's very important you wouldn't understand kind of thing. Um, and at the whole point of the art is that you walk on it. Um, I'm, I'm actually paraphrasing a podcast, by the way. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I'm not just coming up with this. I'm not just being like a Luddite. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so it's just that that type of thing. Maybe you might not have a picture of yourself on Wikipedia. You just have a picture of one of your fucking metal plates on the floor. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, anyway, yes, I, I do wonder if, it's, if he's a modernist of that description. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know what he's doing teaching a basic drawing class to children then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what is he doing? Like, I th- I guess he just needed the money because this is really not his like forte. I'll say he takes them on two field trips in two weeks. Yeah, which suggests to me that he's like, yeah, his his heart is not in maybe the 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 pedagogy. No, I don't think so. Like, it's a miracle he didn't wheel in a TV on a big stand and have them watch a documentary for half a day. <laughs> anyway, we'll soon meet him. But Claudia is fantasizing about how. He's going to be so blown away by her art that he's going to say it's the work of a creative genius and phone her parents and tell them how amazing she is and that he has to become her mentor. Um, They arrive at... Did you guys get this reference? So they arrive at Falmy and Claudia says, as someone once said, what a dump. Uh, nope. Who is this a quote from? What is this a quote from? I don't know. So they go into the classroom. Mallory is clinging to the back of Claudia's shirt like a kindergartner on her first day of school. Uh, Claudia is embarrassed and impatient. Yeah, that would be very awkward. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so basically, Mackenzie Clark turns out to be young and short and slim and not at all like Santa Claus. And he has piled a bunch of cardboard boxes in the centre of the room. And basically, the entire lesson is that they have to draw these boxes. This sounds excruciating. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that it's, you know, a practice to to do, you know, perspective and line and light and shadow and stuff like that. But they spend a long time drawing these boxes. <laughs> um, Mallory takes forever and is like constantly rubbing things out and starting again and like rubs a hole in the paper and has to start all over again. Um her drawing is bullshit, according to Claudia. <laughs> <laughs> um, she has laboriously drawn boxes, her paper full of holes, eraser marks and misshapen angles. Uh, but Mackenzie Clark says that she's doing fine. Um, 
his only commentary on Claudia's drawing is that she works too fast and she should start again and go more slowly and carefully. Um, Claudia is devastated and Mallory is thrilled. Once you point it out that Claudia doesn't like Mallory, it's all I can see every time they interact. And like, there's a lot of Claudia and Mallory together in this book. And like, it's just such a train wreck. I mean, I also get the impression that Mallory's quite snobbish about Claudia's yeah. mm-hmm. spelling and such. Definitely. When I realised that it was going to be those two interacting, I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we next get a Jesse chapter. Uh, Jesse is a little bit stressed out because she really wants to go to Lincoln Centre and see a ballet performance, but she's not allowed like mooch around New York on her own. Um, or at least not mooch around New York alone too much, uh, which <laughs> raises so some much. questions. Yeah, she is 11. I, I also think, yeah, it's only this episode that she's like, okay, I have to work out something. And after that, it's just like, eh. yeah, I'm just going to do my own thing. No, I absolutely don't think she should be mooching around New York unsupervised, but like, it's just much funnier if they're like, you can do an unspecified moderate amount of unsupervised roaming, but you know, know your limits. My God, Jesse is three years older than my older child. Jesse like, is younger than my child. <laughs> <laughs> I am not letting my child roam around New York alone. <laughs> yeah, like we started doing that kind of thing in groups about when we were about two years older. Yeah, I think like at 13. And it was like a huge thrill and it would be daytime on a Wednesday and we yeah. would be due home by dinner time. Yeah. Or the cops would have been called. <laughs> I, I was astonished to be told when I was like summer after sixth class, like 12, astonished to be told that I was allowed to go with a group of my friends to get the bus to the next town uh, some afternoon and go to the beach. Oh, Astonished. <laughs> and it was awesome. That sounds pretty great. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Marianne and Stacey kind of have to low-key babysit Jesse a little bit here. Um, they engineer their plans for the day so that it can incorporate them dropping Jesse off at Lincoln Centre, which is very considerate of them. Um, Nobody gives Jesse a hard time about this. It's a nice mix here. It's really like Jesse being like, hey guys, can we work something out? As opposed to Dawn skulking in the flash (laughs) by herself, being like, everyone has abandoned me. Jesse's like, okay, I've got some parameters. How can I make them work? Will you, can you guys, you know, can we just, you know, can I, can you help me with this? And they're like, yes, we can. We gotcha. (laughs) Jesse is always is the voice of common sense. Like she's like, I'm nervous. I'm going to work on solutions. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's also from New Jersey, so she's probably... True. She probably has been over this part of the world before. Also true. (laughs) Probably with family, but yeah. So Jessie goes to see a performance of Swan Lake, and... (laughs) (laughs) She just takes herself to the ballet by herself. I love it so So much. She's living her best life. I actually would have probably done that kind of thing if I had been enterprising enough and had the money, like... That is something I would have been more likely to do than hang out in a mall. Like, what does one do? Uh, go to the ballet? I guess I'll go and do that. That's adorable. Because I don't know. I don't know what, you know, people do when they have independence. Well, it turns out that going to the ballet alone is what all the cool tweens are doing in New York. And she has a great time and I'm so happy for her. I know. It's great. She has a great time. She meets a boy. 
<gasps> this bit, she's like, oh my God, um, I was so engrossed in the ballet, I didn't notice that there was a hot guy of my own age who was also black sitting next to me. I just didn't <laughs> notice him at all, guys. Like, really? <laughs> I, I, okay, I, I actually was like, okay, I think he must have come in after it started. And when it was dark, because otherwise you would have definitely, if you'd sat down next to this guy, yeah, <laughs> you probably yes. would have noticed. <laughs> she noticed. She noticed. So it turns out he's basically her dream guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his fifth time at Swan Lake. He's going bankrupt because he's spending all his money on ballet tickets. <laughs> um, his name is Quint, which made me crack up because the only other Quint I've ever heard of is like the grizzled sea captain from Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's who he's named after. Maybe. He's probably about the right age. He's 11 years old and this is like 91 or something. So Maybe yes. his parents went to Jaws on their first date. Oh my God. <laughs> Headcanon accepted. Um, and also he does ballet and his teacher says he's good enough to get into Juilliard. So basically like God has just decided to give Jesse a break and just send her this guy like, <laughs> yeah. direct from heaven. Yes. It's raining men, hallelujah. Basically. It's only raining one man, but when he's like this, one man is all you need. Yes. (laughs) Um, So they get talking. He tells her that the neighborhood boys uh, call him a sissy for doing ballet. Um, But Jesse tells him that he must follow his dream. So he asks for her number, but she's staying at Lane's and she doesn't remember the number there. So he gives Jesse his own number instead. Um, So now... The ball is in her court and she has to call him and she's terrified, which is adorable. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And she waits for three days. It's really sweet. So chapter eight is a Mallory chapter and Mallory writes um, a very insincere diary entry at the start saying that she had a great time in art class and it was amazing. It was so good. Um, She then immediately tells us that this is a lie because actually uh, it sucked and it was mainly because of Claudia. Um, I like this. We don't get enough, like, insincerity in people's notebook entries, generally. <laughs> like, they mm. tend to be very straightforward. Yeah, it is un- It is un- implausible how little insincerity there is in the yeah. notebook entries. They're like, I am directly complaining about the person I'm annoyed at who's going to read this in two days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the club would have fallen apart if, like, if it was real. Yes, exactly. I think it's specified in the, um the actual purpose of these diaries that um, it is, it's not like a usable record of events so much as a, I hesitate to say propaganda, but um, you know, (laughs) it's kind of what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Which is why they're, they're having to um, formulate it slightly differently. (laughs) Yeah. Do you like? So um, yes, Mallory is, uh, yeah, she's giving us two versions of events, but basically, um, so she tells us about the drawing class where they had to draw boxes and she's like dimly aware that learning to draw perspective and light and stuff like that is a useful drawing skill. But basically what she wants to be doing is an illustration class. Uh, she wants to be drawing like mm-hmm. anthropomorphic animals and stuff like that, which fair enough, but she's in the wrong art class and this is yeah. about to be everybody's problem. I just love the sentence. I needed to learn to draw cats wearing clothes. <laughs> I mean, whomst among us hasn't needed to learn that at some point? I mean, especially when you're 11, it's a better skill. Absolutely. There's an online course for that. Um, but I, yeah, she's definitely, she's almost certainly not in the right place to find one yes. in real life. <laughs> no. Yeah. She it. just needs to get on like 
Skillshare or YouTube and she'd have the time of her life. Like this is this is a very solvable problem. She just needs to wait for technology to move on. Exactly. You know, kind of 15 odd years yeah. and then she'll be fine. It'll be fine. The teacher Mac um comes over and praises Mallory's like bad drawing of boxes that has taken her hours and hours to do. And Mallory is extremely aware that Claudia is pissed off about this. Mac is just, he's praising Mallory's effort, which is like fine, but it doesn't sound like she is actually doing that great of a job. And I'm wondering if he's playing her and Claudia off each other. So it's not so much that he's praising Mallory that's pissing Claudia off. It's that the only thing he tells Claudia is you're going too fast, slow down. Mm. When she has just in five minutes breezed through and sketched these Mm -hmm. boxes perfectly. Yeah. And like, actually, do you need to slow down if you can sketch a bunch of uncomplicated boxes very well and quickly is that do you like maybe if she's doing humans and they're really slapdash or something but boxes really how much how much detail is there to put into a cardboard box (laughs) (laughs) that's an excellent question well actually when i think about it the slower you go the detail you could put into cardboard box could be immense yeah (laughs) if you did it or it could be a sketch like I i can see why he might just be like you're really good at this, so learn something else from this uh, lesson, please. Yeah. You know, you've got the basics of perspective down. Lovely. You can draw cubes. Nice. Now, slow down. Don't just draw the cubes. But he didn't explain that to her. No, he has no. not explained that the what is actually being taught here to either of the students, which is why they are no. furious and having a terrible time in his class that just seems like a great teaching strategy I don't think he's teaching them anything he's literally just like here draw this like they could do this at home for free (laughs) yeah here draw these boxes no um just do it really slowly and do it really slowly yeah there's no actual wisdom being imparted here at all um but yeah Mallory very patronizingly feels sorry for Claudia and wishes that Mac would throw her a bone just to even things up a bit and um (laughs) it's kind of hilarious how oblivious she is because like yeah, he's praising her effort because effort is all she has going for her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think she knows. I think she knows that her, her output is disappointing. <laughs> She's not like, ah, oh, I must be better than Claudia. <laughs> yeah, no, she doesn't seem to think her skills are good, but she is still happy to receive praise because it's nice to receive praise from a teacher. Oh, yes. Yes. I think is the impression I get from her. I don't think she sits there and thinking, I'm obviously a better artist than Claudia. Mm-hmm. Like even even later on in the book, she's like, I mean, I'm really glad that I'm coming along a little bit, but... Mm. Yeah, it's really for the best she has not staked her self-esteem on, like, how she gets on in this drawing class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, they after the class, they come out and they are going back to Mr. McGill's apartment and Claudia is in a mood. Uh, she gives out to Mallory for acting like a tourist and Mallory is like, but I am a tourist! Um, <laughs> Claudia is, yeah, she is pulling rank as a 13-year-old to, to miles <laughs> 11. <laughs> um, then they're heading out for the evening. Uh, Dawn is freaked out because the entrance to the subway is scary and smells of piss, presumably. Um, and Stacy is like, there are other entrances, but they're all like this, Dawn, so you just have to go in here. Uh, Dawn resolves to make a will. <laughs> I'm going to leave my uh, extensive collection of... Um, ghost books to Marianne and that's all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh wait, no, my California casual wardrobe I bequeath also to probably Marianne. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so the will thing is probably a bit surplus to requirements, really. Maybe she leaves Marianne Jared Mulray's shoe buckle and an explanatory note saying, sorry, I gaslit you that one time. Oh, no. And her earrings have to be divided out between everyone in the club who has pierced ears. <laughs> That's true. Dawn will take that secret to the grave and beyond. Dawn is not going to share that. Oh, Dawn's going to come back and haunt that house herself. Yes. 100%, yes. I live in the secret passage now. With Jared. I'll leave you a chicken bone. <laughs> He's actually kind of sound. <laughs> they go to Chinatown. Uh, Mallory is very impressed. She says, we really could have been in China. Or I guess we could have, since I haven't been to China. Anyway, this is how I thought it might look. I love how unsophisticated she is. She's an unattached hick from Connecticut, and she's not embarrassed about it. Yes. No. They they all are. Claudia is very mean about it. They're vying with each other to be um, less unattached hicks from Connecticut, but really it's just a spectrum. Um, yeah. Yes, and, and Claudia is being terrible. Uh, Mallory can't say anything, basically, without Claudia being like, Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would if 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 I was watching this as one of the other babysitters club, I think I would probably intervene. Claudia is being overtly mean to this the younger child who's here. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't. Yeah, somebody needs to maybe have a word with her, but like everyone is wrapped up in their own plot lines and mm. not paying attention to any of this. Uh they go to a Chinese restaurant. We have the shocking revelation that sometimes a restaurant doesn't look fancy, but the food might still be good anyway. Uh, which obviously is something that could only happen in New York, uh, <laughs> cosmopolitan hub that it is. Um, Mallory does get a bit passive aggressive. Then she um, gets a note in her fortune cookie about how to get along with people. And she gives it to Claudia, which <laughs> that was not necessary. Oh, I like that. Because Claudia is being like, well, this is Mallory's telling. So who knows? Maybe it's not reliable. But it sounds like Claudia is being extremely unpleasant. So um I think from Claudia's version of events, it's pretty clear she is being extremely unpleasant. So. Um, the next day, Christy decides she has reached breaking point. She can't come and give Don, uh, keep Don company anymore. Uh, she needs to get out and like actually enjoy her holiday. Damn right. Um, she and Jesse talk about how Don is like channeling her anxiety into housework and has reorganized Mr. McGill's house and um, keeps like completely overhauling the place and now he can't find his stuff. Uh, Christy feels very bad for Mr. McGill. I would actually murder a random child staying in my house who did that to me. Yeah, I um, I remember uh, doing... Sorry, I remember reading this section um, and this particular comment. Um, Mr. McGill had a nice half-sloppy bachelor pad. Now Dawn is playing housekeeper. I bet Stacy's father can't even find most of his stuff. <laughs> Uh, and like that I had memorized also I think because bachelor pad is a term that was totally baffling to me as as are many things that I learned from the babysitters club I'm like what what could that be (laughs) (laughs) that's so sweet but like this is the first time you hear it yeah like why would especially if you're a small child why would you think to me that that could mean someone's home Mm. yeah it it sounds like something in the bathroom like some kind of cosmetic (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
it it sounds like a twenties piece of slang that for some reason we still use. Um, you know the way some of them are these weird survivors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like that Christy really feels bad for Mister McGill in this situation because, like, she has been established as she kind of loves to live in squalor. So, <laughs> yeah, she loves his uh, his his flat, and she's really mad at Dawn for um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, kneading it up. Apparently, the word "pad" persisted in underworld slang from the early 18th century in the sense "sleeping place." This was again popularized as circa 1959, originally a beatnik speech and later hippie slang in its original English sense of "place to sleep temporarily." Also. So a room to use drugs. <laughs> <laughs> this all works for um, Ed McGill's apartment. <laughs> yeah. And anywhere that Christy might be. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. He's having a midlife crisis. It's fine. <laughs> then, um, so Christy and Jesse go out for a walk in Central Park and basically admire the local pets. Uh, there's people walking dogs. There's someone walking a cat on a leash. <laughs> um then they go to get ice cream and they overhear an animal whining in the bushes. Christy helpfully gives us some advice about how this is a really dangerous thing to do and you should wear gloves in case you get bitten and catch rabies and die. But she wasn't wearing gloves and she wasn't going to get gloves. So she just like dives into the bush anyway. Uh, <laughs> luckily, it's fine. It's a cute dog. As Christy and many of us, um, many of us would do. Well, we don't have rabies in this country. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> That helps a lot. So we're kind of free and easy when it comes to handling wildlife. <laughs> yeah, the stakes are a lot lower here. I'm just, I can't get over the number of like flattering descriptions of Central Park. I'm sure it's lovely, um, but like Anne is so into Central Park. Just every, every time anybody is within smelling distance of New York, there's going to be like a flattering portrayal of, um, it's like a forest right in the middle of the city. <laughs> like, I mean, it's uh, nice. You know. Have you been there? It's a nice park. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Great. I, I went to New York once, twice, in fact. And I went to Central Park once in the snow. And Ooh. once in the summer. I bet that and was, it was scenic. It was very nice both times. Well, once in September. It was very nice both times. Was it life-changing? I have to say no. <laughs> it wasn't the highlight of my trip to New York either time. No, obviously Starlight Express was uh, the highlight of your trip. <laughs> so they find this cute dog and... Christy, like, instantly pair bonds with him and decides that she's going to take him back to Lane's apartment. And then to Stony Brook. And then to Stony Brook after that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, Christy's reasoning is there are so many people and animals at her house that one more won't make a difference. (laughs) Which I think might be the opposite of how this works. I I don't know. I feel like once you have one dog or cat, um, you can add one or two more without that much... Um, yeah no I'm kind of with Christy on this one I actually yeah I I would have thought that this would be um, an easier sell than it turns out to be (laughs) yeah so they're worried that they don't allow pets in the Dakota building so Jessie has to go to like the concierge and create a diversion (laughs) so she uh, goes and asks a bunch of directions and then acts extremely clueless and unable to interpret them. (laughs) (laughs) Christy runs by with the dog. (laughs) Jessie was great. I have never heard anyone sound more confused. Lincoln Centre is west to here, she repeated. I'm south? Which way is west? I'm a tourist. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. (laughs) I don't know which way is west. Like, ever. I never know what way is west. Maybe if I was in New York, I would, because the streets are conveniently gridded. Yeah, I think in American uh, cities, it's much easier to tell because it's a grid system and you just look. <laughs> but. Also, I just want to um, acknowledge the fact that uh, Christy said to Jesse, cause a diversion, faint or something. And Jesse's like, I will not faint. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse has standards. <laughs> 
We actually had to do a version on this when I was in college. Um, <laughs> when I was in Japan, we were staying in a dormitory and we didn't have a curfew because we were like 22. Um, but a lot of the younger students did have a curfew, particularly the girls who had an earlier curfew than the boys. Um, so anytime we wanted to go out like boozing with the younger students, we would have to have like an elaborate system for getting back into the building where a bunch (laughs) of us would go over to the guys on the security desk and cluelessly ask them a bunch of detailed questions uh, to distract (laughs) them while like a bunch of like 19 year olds snuck in behind us. Oh my God. It worked pretty well. That is um, doing the Lord's work. I I think it's easier to do that kind of thing when you're drunk because you like you have more chutzpah to start with. But then yeah. also anything you say that sounds confused and like slightly, uh, you know, nonsensical is so much more believable when they're like, this person has had a lot to drink. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're speaking in a second language, like you can act as stupid as you want and nobody will think you're faking it. <laughs> the less competent you appear at any given time, the more convincing you're... <laughs> Exactly. version of this is going to be oh my. just go over there and pretend to be clueless gaijin we can do that <laughs> maybe uh, jesse being 11 is uh, is also a good cover for this like i'm a yes. tourist yes but you're a child <laughs> yeah you're also like prepubescent okay <laughs> yeah christy smuggles the dog into the room where mallory and jesse are sleeping um something that upsets me a lot is that um they are worried about the dog peeing while he's stuck in the guest room so they put down some newspapers, but it later emerges that the room is carpeted Ugh. and <laughs> like newspapers aren't going to do anything for that. In fact, then you're going to have pee and ink all over the carpet, which is just yeah. very upsetting. Oh, yeah. Fortunately, mm. spoiler, the dog does not pee in the guest room. It threw amazing efforts and the dog already being very house trained by the sounds of it this dog has come from a home (laughs) the dog is definitely someone's dog because he's very 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 well trained they also managed to get him in and out of the house three times a day because jesse keeps going down and asking the concierge increasingly (laughs) baffled questions bless her i wish we had got more of this on screen like i would have absolutely loved just multiple scenes of her doing this this would be an amazing montage you'd just have yeah little mini clips of her in different outfits being like okay central park but why is it in the center (laughs) central to what yeah (laughs) what center is it in that would be great actually yeah I'm, i'm sorry we haven't seen this um next chapter is marianne um marianne and stacy are minding Alistair and Rowena, the creepy posh British kids of the international <laughs> diplomats. The creepy dolls. We do get to see them being rude to each other, which Marianne is relieved by uh, because she says <laughs> that kids who are too polite and proper are scary. Yeah. I feel like Anne specifically put this in as counterpoint to the fact that they're dressed like Edwardian dolls. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, but not in a scary way. I promise. They're fine. They're just real posh. Yeah, this was put in at the request of Anne's editor, who was like, I'm scared of these children you've written. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think Anne, like, needs to be exposed. I know it was too early, but like to, um, what's the littlest of William and Kate's children? The one who's just like being bold all the time in public. <laughs> Is this Louis, who I have, Louis, I've that's never it. heard before, except from some meme or other that pointed out that um, he has no tolerance for boredom, which is how you have to say it when you're a bootlicking British royal commentator. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, the public appearances and stuff and the older siblings are dutifully waving and maybe getting a bit bored and kind of daydreaming or what. Mm-hmm. He's like making faces and trying to jump <laughs> off his chair. Good for him. <laughs> Strong youngest child energy and also good for him. Yes. I love it. Um, so they take Alistair and Rowena to the museum um, of natural history because they want to see dinosaur- dinosaurs. And mm-hmm. Alistair's like, dinosaur skeletons, not real dinosaurs. <laughs> you know what people love? Pedantic children. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was a pedantic child. I don't know if I was that annoying. <laughs> we were all pedantic. I was a pedantic child too, but I would have been so pissed off if another child had corrected me on that like yeah Yeah. i know we're not going to see live dinosaurs like even if (laughs) i'm four i know the dinosaurs are dead like how stupid do you think i am obviously (laughs) i didn't think i had to specify uh yeah i'm not pro alistair (laughs) on the basis of that interaction (laughs) um then they see a street fair and the kids get balloons they um potter around the fair for a while they notice a man with a hat and sunglasses watching them. Um, Then they decide to go to the museum and the kids leave their balloons tied up outside. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marianne is worried that the balloons might get stolen while they're tied up outside, but she also worries that the kids will be traumatized if she explains the concept of theft to them. (laughs) (laughs) And like is, is umming and eyeing over how to break the news to them that sometimes things get nicked. But uh, it's fine because the kids are pretending that the balloons are pets and the kids agree that the pets might run away if they need their freedom and that would be okay. Um, these kids are like hilariously sheltered. <laughs> these are the people who, these are, this. I know it wasn't Marianne, but like these are the babysitters who like just introduced Jamie Newton to the concept of death without I consulting know. his parents <laughs> first. Like, oh my God, sometimes people take things that aren't theirs. It's not very nice of them. Done. Mm. I don't think that's going to traumatise the child, lads. Yeah, it, it would have been fine. I think they would have pulled through. Mm-hmm. Um, then they go in, they look at the skeletons. Alistair says the skeletons are brilliant because Anne only knows one word of British slang and it's brilliant. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to think of what Enid Blyton's characters would say. Whizzing! <laughs> Hopper! <Absolutely>. Ripping! <laughs> yeah. It's topping! Yes, exactly. Marianne notices a man in sunglasses and a rain hat walking around behind them in the museum and asks if that's a new style and says, I wonder why this guy is wearing sunglasses indoors. Stacy shrugged. Hey, this is New York. Anything goes. I'm sure anything does go in New York, but I don't think sunglasses indoors is really the most wild example. And Stacy, I thought you were better than this, to be honest. I wonder if this is like, we don't, we don't ask people what they're wearing (laughs) or why they're wearing it. I think it's probably not so much a New York as wild as, no, no, you're in New York. People do things. I guess. (laughs) Also like Marianne asking if a hat and sunglasses is a new style is like, those are just things that people wear. That's not really. Well, it's a rain hat and sunglasses specifically. So I guess she's like, is this a thing now? Are people wearing a rain hat and sunglasses? It, it's odd to me that she keeps noticing, uh, spoiler, this is one guy. She keeps noticing that, the, but not realizing that, that it's, it's the same guy. She is kind of failing her, her like perception checks here. Yes. Yeah, she she's <laughs> like, f- further on in this, she doesn't do great at like object permanence and stuff. Like, <laughs> 
she's rolled like a three. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, you've spotted something, but you don't have any understanding what the meaning of it is. So you're just being like, huh. Possibly the players sitting there going, oh man, is that the same guy in the hat and sunglasses that I saw earlier? And the game is like, you barely passed the roll to see it. Uh, you're not sure. You didn't really look at his face. It could, it, you know, possibly a different guy. Who knows? You just make a rude comment about his fashion sense and fail to kind of recognize what you're later going to assume is a threat. Yeah. I was like, no, I mean, you think it might be a fashion. You're not sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a better explanation for this than the sequence of events that is described here. Yeah, it actually yes, is. It is. <laughs> all right. Okay. They're all, they're all characters in an RPG that mm-hmm. all of this makes much more sense if you just think Babysitting everyone is failing their roles a lot. <laughs> then they come back outside to see the balloons and... The balloons are gone, but have been replaced by two other balloons of different colours. Um, the kids don't remark on it. Marianne figures she's just going crazy. Um, it's fine. Then they are going off to the public library and the children decide that the balloons want their freedom. So they let them float <laughs> off into the sky. Let's let our pets go, Rowena. They want their freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Full body shiver. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I mean, I could say something very snarky about the English and giving people their freedom, but, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> I, I feel like this exact scenario happened when with my sister and a friend of hers in Hong Kong when my granny was visiting, which caused my granny much ire because they had, they had walked a long way to get the balloons and then the kids were like, we should release these into the wild. Ah. are you kidding I just went up a Hong Kong hill (laughs) in like 100% humidity to get your fucking balloon she would not have used the F word my granny was very proper (laughs) yeah so the kids litter in the sky it's fine it's the 90s (laughs) oh it's so bad for the environment (laughs) I know look at this stage all people were worrying about was the ozone layer that's true that's true and also one more acid rain a piece of litter in New York probably isn't going to kill yeah. a horse or something like that <laughs> yeah no that's fair it's a little less <laughs> that sounds like a, a a terrible aphorism you know what they oh, say oh, yeah. a piece of litter in new york ain't gonna kill a horse <laughs> oh, oh no it's a like it's one of those things that people circulate where it's like um my horse is dead and it's because you released a helium balloon into the atmosphere <laughs> uh, this is this is actually true sorry that's not funny at all <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, let's stop choking this dead horse. Um, (laughs) Then they're in the library uh, listening to a storyteller and... I like to think the storyteller is a drag queen. Yes, absolutely. Let's imagine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, A man in sunglasses and a rain hat is watching, which Marianne thinks is pretty weird because he doesn't have a kid with him. But Stacey is like, well, storytelling is a lost art. It's fine. (laughs) And then, yes, Marianne has the thundering realization that it's the same guy all along in sunglasses and a rain hat. At least she admits she's been stupid. Yes, that's true. (laughs) There are two of them with four eyes between them and this guy is not being subtle. You go into the storytelling hour with no child with you? Like, Like, I know it was a more innocent time, but... (laughs) That is a good way to get beaten up. Like, what the hell, dude? (laughs) You should have brought a decoy child with you. (laughs) Just grab one. Possibly an inflatable child purchased from the street fair. None of this is going to help the situation. I retract no. my statement. 
Um, then, yes, Marianne has the idea that maybe this guy is following the children of international diplomats who they've been shepherding around town. Um, and Stacy is like, that's ridiculous. Anyway, don't tell their parents because we might lose the babysitting job. Stacy, what the hell? <laughs> the fuck? I mean, I actually, my guess is that Stacy is like, don't tell the parents, we might lose this job. Also, you, you're imagining this very up. She kind of isn't, though. I know she isn't, but I'm sure Stacy thinks she is. That's true. Okay, Stacy thinks she is. But also, like, we might lose our job is not a reason to... Not warn parents of a potential kidnapping threat. Also, like, I feel a bit bad for ragging on Marianne for not realising it was the same guy all along. Because, like, I would 100% make this mistake. Um, I have kind of low-level face blindness. I was once in, like, a group setting where two men had the same pair of runners as each other, and it took me three weeks to realise there was two men, <laughs> and not just one guy with blue runners. <laughs> Genuinely thought they were the same guy. I was like, all the details of this guy's life seem really inconsistent. I wonder what's going on there. <laughs> Mad. Wow. To be fair, I, I ran into one of the one of the other mothers in Fiek's baby swimming class uh, out in the wild while printing something in Harvey Norman the other day, and I... She was like, oh, hi. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to pretend. And I just rolled with it. She said, see you next week. And I was like, cool. And it was only like two hours later that I like put it together. Like she did look really familiar, but I thought she looked like somebody I see in Instagram reels a lot. <laughs> yeah. I There was a guy that I just saw everywhere when I was in college. Um, and after a while I was like, he changes his beard a lot. It seems to change <laughs> length. And then I saw him and his twin together and was like, that'll be it. <laughs> uh, so Marianne, like re quite reasonably says, I'd rather lose the job than the children. And Stacy just shook her head. It was like, the <laughs> oh, what the hell, Stacy? That's not a very New York attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, I mean, sometimes kids get kidnapped. I don't know what to tell you, Marianne. <laughs> You're so sheltered. Forget about God. it. <laughs> exactly. Oh bless! I I'm picturing Stacy like aggressively chewing bubblegum through this entire interaction, <laughs> babysitter's agency style. Yeah. Yes. Dawn is at home in Mr. McGill's apartment, freaking out. Uh, she listens to the news and hears about two murders in one night, and is like, "Oh my god, this place is a dystopian hellhole." Uh, my favorite line in the handwritten bit of it is like, "Here it seems people are murdered every day." Well, New York is a little larger than Stony Brook. Still. <laughs> like, yes, New York is like hundreds of thousands of times bigger than Stony Brook. Yeah. Yeah. In in a city of 8 million people, like two murders in one night seems low, is my point. Like, yeah. it's fine, Don. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, yeah, Don is pretty sure she's never going to see her friends alive again. But also, she's very sick of watching I Love Lucy reruns, which is, you know, she's close to breaking point because... Everyone in this has a bottomless appetite for I Love Lucy reruns. Um, but then the doorbell rings. Uh, she initially freaks out because how had someone got upstairs if she hadn't buzzed anyone in? Which, like, I think is a fundamental failure to understand how apartment buildings work. Mm. Uh, but anyway, there's a boy in the hallway and he looks like a real creep, she decides. <laughs> but then she still has to chat to him through the door anyway. <laughs> Uh, so he announces that he's a neighbor kid. His name is Richie Magnesi. 
and he has a broken ankle and he needs to get off his feet and he's decided to come hang out in the McGill's apartment because he's bored. (laughs) Sounds like a teenager. Don has a lot of reservations, thinks maybe he's reaching for a gun, but actually he just pulls out his student ID to prove that he really is Richie Magnesi. So she lets him in and then decides that actually maybe he's not a creep after all, but because he's got a chilly little rat tail in his hair and I <laughs> have like full body shivers at this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I saw I saw a little child a child like a little boy with a rat tail the other day mm-hmm. oh no. at the beach. Oh no. They're back. Yeah. They're back. No, I can't I can't deal with this. Fake Tynick technically has a bit of a natural rat tail situation going on because the hair at the very base of his head never fell out. Oh yeah, they all get that <laughs> mullet age. Yeah, he's just real mullety. Yeah, but like there's no excuse for a rat tail. They're just mm-hmm. bad and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Richie has... He, he had an injury in Central Park. He got run over by a bike while he was rollerblading in Central Park. Uh, because mm. even though Central Park is the happiest place on earth, these things can happen. Mm-hmm. But much like he, New York, <laughs> he tells basically, yeah, he tells Don that yes, a only two people out of eight million were murdered last night, so her chances of being murdered is just one in four million. So it's basically fine. I love this so much because um, he's like he does the maths very slowly. Like what's <laughs> what's the percentage here? I remembered this like very clearly as well. This is adorable. Yeah, he's got data to back up his point. It's it's totally <laughs> fine. He tells her about all the amazing things that you can do in New York that Don hasn't done, such as going to the Frick Gallery or the Pierpoint Morgan Library or the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. <laughs> I really don't think a lot of 13-year-olds would be that excited about going to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. <laughs> no. Like, call me the, shallow, but... The Pierpoint Morgan Museum. Like... I did not know that existed until I needed something out of their archive professionally in my late 30s. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it's lovely. It's under renovations right now. <laughs> well, it's going to be even more wonderful when it's done. They charge me a bunch of money as well. But it's fine. I guess it's to, for the upkeep of the collection. <laughs> yes, well, J.P. Pierpoint Morgan famously short of a bit of cash. So, you know, you've got to pick yeah. them up. <laughs> Good point. Um, yeah, no, this is not a teenage boy. I, I don't know who this is. Um, it's Anna Martin is who it is. <laughs> yeah. Then he tells her that there's ethnic food and she needs to try ethnic food. And she's like, I've had a bagel. Does that count? <laughs> Which, considering how hard they exoticize bagels in some of these books, like, <laughs> kind I mean, of does count. Yeah, for these people. It would in Stony Brook, but she's not from Stony Brook. Exactly. Like, I'm sure bagels exist in Anaheim. <laughs> yeah, but they're probably no good. Yeah, okay, yeah, they're probably like vegan. Limp and kind of humid. (laughs) Um, Beach bagels. Nobody nobody says beach bagels. (laughs) Beach bagels. (laughs) Um, I've just realised that um, it it was narratively crucial to deploy this guy to Dawn because if he met Marianne, they would just run away together. (laughs) They would. Either that or it would actually piss Marianne off that someone else is more guidebooky than her and knew more, like was actually a native New Yorker and genuinely knew all this first principles and not from reading guidebooks and she'd get like threatened. I would have (laughs) read the hell out of that. (laughs) And he'd get threatened as well. Because he'd he'd be like, why are you trying to tell me this stuff? She'd be New York explaining to him. (laughs) Yes. I want that book, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. Marianne is too busy um, finding conspiracies and then yeah. not reporting them <laughs> to the <laughs> correct authorities. 
<laughs> yeah, so Richie tells her that New York is a hell of a town slash a wonderful town. <laughs> and there's a he, he goes on a long speech about how amazing it is. And you can hear like heroic, me, heroic music swelling in the background. Did you know there's a whole museum about firefighting? Do you know all the famous people who've lived in New York from Greenwich Village to Harlem? Richie was more familiar with the city than anyone I'd ever met, including Marianne. He made it sound so exciting that I even considered leaving the apartment. <laughs> oh, Don has turned a corner and all it took was a hot, creepy boy. <laughs> what would the Dublin equivalent of this teenage boy be like? <laughs> I oh, don't know, like... God, someone who's really into the Guinness Brewery or something. Yes. No, because he's going for the last thing. He'd be like, oh, you don't want to go to the Guinness Brewery. You want to go to the distillery tour. Was it the Teeling's distillery tour? <laughs> yeah, it's great. I mean, yeah, everyone knows about Stephen's Green, but have you been to the Ivy Gardens? Oh. Have you been to the Blessington Street Basin? Have you seen the mummies in St. Mickens? It would be me. It would be me, actually. <laughs> oh, actually, the mummies in St. Mickens is a great date for the right kind of girl, though. Yeah, you should you should do that if you're a teenage boy in Dublin listening to this podcast, which you definitely are not. <laughs> <laughs> and looking for dating advice on how to woo girls. But like, God, if a guy had offered to take me to the mummies in St. Mickens, I would have been like, totally down with that like, <laughs> oh that would have been amazing yeah yeah also there's one teenage boy listening to this and he's like oh yeah it's a shame i'm not single you know <laughs> take her to the hugh lane gallery <laughs> have a bag of cans by the canal that seems yeah. like the only actual thing that would would of this would, which would actually happen and instead of asking about have you tasted cannoli or sushi or cheese blints it's like have you had the little donuts on O'Connell Street? Have you had the little donuts on O'Connell Street? Have you had chips out of fish and chips out of Bishops? Yeah, actually, this is great though. You, they, somebody should do this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we should make a TikTok about this because otherwise, it's not going to get out to <laughs> to the great. It's going to get out to the teens. Yeah. Oh my god! Have you had a spice bag, Don? <gasps> yes. Yes. She needs a spice bag. A real native. You can get a tofu spice bag these days. That'd be right up her alley. Um, oh yeah, she'd be into that. Although it's semi-junk food, but she'd have to do it. It's fried, but it's <laughs> at least vegetarian. It would be very nice yeah. as an occasional treat. It would be very nice. And yeah, if it has tofu in it, like, she doesn't actually eat that healthily sometimes, as we've yeah, established. True. Like, everyone's <laughs> eating habits are very inconsistent. She's not even vegetarian all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Dawn is really more of like one of those people who just has to eat the foods with the right buzzwords or the right new superfoods in yeah. and like doesn't pay attention to actually what their overall diet is and is like kind of a, a nutritious one. <laughs> Richie, does this cannoli have adaptogens in it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yes. Yeah, cannoli are full of adaptogens, sure. <laughs> I also want to see this scene. <laughs> So next chapter, um, we're back with Claudia and Mallory at the art class. Um, they go to Rockefeller Center, which Claudia spells right because she looked it up. So there. <laughs> They're drawing the buildings there. Uh, Claudia says, I kept hoping if I worked really, really hard, I would finally do something to please Mr. Clark. Mallory certainly pleased him with her sloppy childlike drawings. <laughs> Claudia is being such a bitch here. Yep. Um, yeah, she wonders if maybe he just can't recognise good work. But then, yes, decides that no, maybe actually she's just a disaster. She's, she has such an aversion to boxes after days and days of drawing boxes that she decides she's never leaving home because she doesn't want to have to deal with packing boxes. <laughs> Karen, I feel like you find this very relatable. Oh, 100%. I highlighted that. <laughs> nice. They get on the subway and... um. 
Claudia sort of starts to chat with Mallory about how, like, oh, Dawn, what hate how credit it is. But then she realizes that Mallory is busy talking to the teacher and they're talking about how horses are hard to draw. Yes. <laughs> um, there was a line where um, it says, I turned away from them. I gazed at the ads in our car. Most of them were for roach spray or little roach hotels. Like, this is such <laughs> realism from, not, not in the sense of this is such a realistic portrayal. I mean, this feels like like a mid-20th century grim novel about <laughs> New York in which several people die at the end. <laughs> Like, I read this book. New York is where dreams come to die, and also roaches. <laughs> roaches are a recurring motif, Esther. Um, it's really important to understanding the, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm actually too tired to come up with yeah, that. In the, in the notes on the lecture, it's roaches equal. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, I can't read what, what roaches equal. Underbelly of city. <laughs> Incompatibility with human life slash happiness. <laughs> Roaches are very compatible with human life, as we have seen. <laughs> but yes, you're quite right. Roaches equals post-apocalyptic. Only the roaches will be left. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, some good symbolism here, Anne. I mean, roaches are a semi-recurring motif in this, actually, because they are <laughs> yeah. used as a symbol for, like, the greatness of New York that only Stacy can really handle. <laughs> Yeah, that's what she's doing. Absolutely. Um, and, and I just think it's hilarious to have it in a middle grade novel. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love that Claudia is like sulkingly staring at all the Roach commercials and like definitely hearing sad music in her head as well. <laughs> then they go to Rockefeller Plaza and she enthuses about all the TV shows that are filmed there, including like actual edgy grown-up comedy shows that I'm very surprised Anne wants us to know about, like Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Live, Live. and yeah. David Letterman. He said the NBC television studios were located in one of the buildings, and we all know which one now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they set up to draw the area, and she decides that she's heard that they have ice skating there in the winter, so she wants to draw how she imagines the ice skating would look in the winter. Um... Mallory, meanwhile, says, I'm going to draw the outdoor restaurant from up here. I think that's called a bird's eye view. Anyway, it makes the angles and dimensions really different. I watched Mal begin to work. Her angles and dimensions certainly were different. <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of wish we got to see Mallory's terrible drawings here. Because, like, I'm picturing just some kind of Picasso-esque nightmare. Yeah, Claudia yeah. doesn't like the cubists. <laughs> no. Cubes are too much like boxes. I was like, no, Claudia likes the cubist just fine. Claudia can just tell whether someone's doing it on purpose or not. <laughs> Good point. Um, however, Mr. Clark gives out to Claudia because their assignment was supposed to be to draw what's actually happening there and she's drawing an imagined scene. So she has to start over and she's very annoyed. I mean, that's fair enough, though. Yeah. Like, that like, was actually just not paying attention and drawing something completely different than you were told to. Like, yes. That one is is not on Mr. Clark. That one's on Claudia. I don't know. At this point, I think I'd be like, you're not the boss of me, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, if I was this pissed off with the... Or I'd be like, oh, okay, you're right. Flip the page. And then as soon as he was gone, I'd finish what I was doing. <laughs> Is he marking these? He's barely looking at them. He's just there like bossing them around and talking about horses. <laughs> there there really is minimal teaching going on here. I doubt very much that he's marking anything. Mm. Yeah. I'd love to know what a middle ground student would get out of the class. Like someone who is neither as good as Claudia, 
nor as bad as Mallory. Like <laughs> if he's actually teaching those kids. Maybe. Are, is, are there some real like basic kids who are doing great here? Yeah. Some beige kids. Like he's certainly not bothering his arse to teach Claudia anything. No. We've spent so much time given out about this guy's art tuition, but like... I feel like plein air drawing is when you want to work fast. Yes. I just want to say that like that, this is, this is the time for Claudia to be allowed to finish her drawing really, really quickly. Like people move, they walk around. And it rains. Like, yeah, yeah like it, it is actually a skill. It's not the only skill and drawing slowly and carefully is also a skill. But like, I, I feel like Anne just like heard someone say, you should draw a bit slower and like kind of extrapolated this to like all of art is about drawing as slowly as possible. <laughs> That's the one skill that there yeah. is. Maybe she went to one class and assumed all the classes would be identical. <laughs> <laughs> also There's very possible. There's a lovely possible. vignette in this scene um, just after mm-hmm. uh, they've been hooshed out of Rockefeller Center um, before Claude actually manages to finish anything uh, where she says, on the way to Fifth Avenue, I thought we passed Elvis Presley, but I don't think so. I mean, I know he's dead, but an awful lot of people have spotted him recently. <laughs> I considered asking Mal if she knew whether Elvis would have ever worn a checked shirt with plaid pants, but I decided not to. <laughs> I was like, this is just, yeah, I just think that's delightful. I'm sorry. I have nothing else to say. Yeah, I like that too. I love it. That, that cracked me up. Then also, um, at the end of the afternoon, Mallory goes to a big bookshop with Mr. Clark. And Claudia says, I sat by myself and ate a pretzel, which was very salty. And my notes say, just like Claudia. <laughs> <laughs> but I just like the uh, the bleakness of, apart from that, it had no fa- flavour. I did not care. <laughs> like, given how much Claudia likes junk food, that's, you know, that says a lot about her state of mind right now. <laughs> that's true. She is very in her feelings. Her realist feelings. Roaches and salty pretzels. <laughs> Jessie, meanwhile, is agonising over whether to call Quint the cute boy that she met at the ballet. And she's decided that if she calls and he doesn't remember her, she will die, but she's going to risk death anyway. Um, (laughs) Bless her. I know. I love how dramatic she is. Um, Then he does remember who she is. Uh, Jessie, Mm -hmm. I was hoping you'd call. Quint sounded genuinely glad. You were? Sure. Why else would I have given you my number? (laughs) I love how bad she is at this. It's very cute. (laughs) I mean, she's 11. Yeah, exactly. No practice. It's great. Exactly. Great to see her Mm -hmm. try. So he invites her over to watch Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movies together. Totally what the kids were watching in the. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Dancers were watching. I mean, probably. No, they would have watched like Fame or something. Yes, or Flashdance or something. That's what I meant by Footloose, yeah. Yeah. Flashdance does not exist in this universe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, obviously. No, but yes, they would have watched Footloose. Actually, Footloose. Dirty dirty. Dancing. Yes, there's many, many dance movies around in the 80s. I think I would have um, taken dir- like an invitation to watch Dirty Dancing in it. Maybe maybe this is actually a good sort of solid tactic here if you're not trying to scare the lady off. <laughs> no, that's, that's I suppose. I just think of Dirty Dancing as like a movie that like all the like tweens were obsessed with when I was a tween. Yes. I was obsessed with like, Dirty Dancing. I still love anyway. Dirty Dancing. <laughs> and then like I watched it later on and I was like, man, I now understand some of those plot lines. What the hell? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's invited her over for Turner Classic Movies and Chill, and Jesse is very, very here for it. Um, I also love how Lane reacts to this. Lane is extremely responsible. She's like, hang on a minute, you're going over to visit some strange kid who you just met. 
Uh, I'm walking you over and I want to meet his parents. <laughs> Jessie is appalled at this. She's just like, I'm 13. Let me be your surrogate parent right now. Yes. <laughs> She's in loco parenti here. <laughs> yeah. I actually really like this. It's very responsible. I'm very yeah. glad Lane just did not just turn her out into the city. <laughs> All right, love you go. Have fun. Bye. Yeah, that was really sweet. Yeah. Can I say something about the um the Turner classic movies and chill, which is hilarious. I I feel like this left me very unprepared to interpret what was going on in the scene in Clueless where um <laughs> she- <laughs> oh God, what's the name of the, the, the cute gay guy that she's in love with for a while? Christian. Uh, Christian. Yeah, so Cher invites Christian over and he's like, We can watch some classic movies. Um and th- now I think it's absolutely hilarious that they're in her bedroom watching Spartacus. Um, <laughs> and she's like... Spartacus. Spartacus. And she's like totally focused on him. And he's like, yeah, no, let's just keep watching the movie. And I was like, I, but sometimes a date is going to be old movies in someone's house. Like, why would that be weird? <laughs> yes, because like he's exactly got like coming off exactly like Christian in these scenes yes. it's like yes we'll watch yes. the vintage movies that I'm really into and then like it turns out <laughs> now he's also into Jesse and I didn't see that coming to be honest I thought he was just <laughs> going to be her platonic bestie <sighs> but um yeah she they go to Quint's apartment um they're met by Quint's little sister at the door mm-hmm. uh Jesse says I'm Jesse this is my friend Lane she's leaving <laughs> I love how, <laughs> how like Jesse is just completely out of patience with Lane here. Um, so Quint has uh, his sister Morgan, his brother Tyler. Tyler is usually lost to the world of computers, Quint says. I wish he were today, but he and Morgan are being pills. <laughs> Morgan, uh, oh sorry, Quint's mom asks if uh, Tyler and Morgan are going to be pests today and Tyler says, no, we're going to be pests tomorrow. Today we're going to be pains. I like this family a lot. <laughs> Yes. They have already offered Jessie some ABC gum and Quint is like, no, she doesn't want any already being chewed gum. <laughs> I, I feel like the Pike triplets did that in an earlier book as well. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah. I was very familiar with the concept of ABC gum because of these books. <laughs> like it's not a, it's not a, a preteen meme here, but. It easily could be. Um, <laughs> yes. But it, for some reason it isn't. Uh, they in the end the kids get banned from the TV room and Jesse and Quint have a good afternoon watching movies then mm-hmm. they go out to return the videos to the video shop and Quint gets teased by a bunch of like local boys on the street making fun of him because they know he dances mm-hmm. and Quint says that he can't uh, pursue his dream of going to Juilliard because uh, the other kids will be mean to him and Jesse is like but you can't deprive America of your talent just because of that Lesser. Also, mm-hmm. Juilliard is totally a university, so like there are other reasons why Quint can't go to Juilliard. <laughs> but I don't think Anne knows this. <laughs> no, clearly not. Yeah, there are a few years to go before um, Quint is gonna be. They don't take eleven-year-olds, I don't think. <laughs> Next, we have a Stacy chapter. Um, Stacy is <laughs> taking the posh kids on a boat tour, which they declare to be brilliant. Because it is the only piece of English slang. Stacy's comments on the boat tour itself, which is of the island of Manhattan. That sounds so odd. When I think of islands, I imagine desert islands with palm trees and coconuts and bananas. Like, yeah, those of us from like the northern hemisphere, the northern part of the northern hemisphere picture getting blown off the side of Inish Man. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> by by wind and like spiky icicly rain and sheep. <laughs> yes. There are many kinds of islands. Also, I feel like, you know, it would be more realistic that Stacy thinks all islands should look like the island of Manhattan. Like, yes, fair. When I think of the island of Hispaniola, I wonder about the department <laughs> stores and does it have its very own Lower East Side? <laughs> is Hispaniola Haiti or is there another Hispaniola? It's Haiti and Dominican Republic. Okay, yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, that's it. The two sides of that. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing is was, was known as Hispaniola. It was the only island I could think of off the top of my head. <laughs> Well, it's it's definitely When I think warm. of the Isle of Man, I wonder <laughs> <laughs> what its central park is like <laughs> and how tall the buildings are. Amazing. <laughs> Meanwhile, someone on the Isle of Man looking up at the Loxley water wheel going like, this is about it. <laughs> so they get on the boat um, and Marianne is freaking out because she's decided that the man who's following them around is a kidnapper. Uh, he is trying to create an international incident and destroy the reputation of the BSC. Among other things. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so Stacy tells Marianne that she's only allowed to think about tourist sites of New York. Uh, and this actually works. Marianne just sort of happily goes into a reverie about Gracie Mansion, where the mayor lives. <laughs> Bless her. Marianne announces that it's 35 miles of sightseeing. Um, she's memorized the brochure about the boat tour the scenery comes to you so plus annoying. prize photo opportunities spacious decks informative commentators <laughs> please marianne there are brochures we could read them like i understand if she's gone and done extra research but like when it's just the brochure yeah also as stacy points out there is actually a tour guide giving a tour on the boat marianne is not impressed by this mm -hmm. so they're enjoying the boat marianne is pointing out the world trade center Christy is fretting about the dog that's stuck in the Cummings's apartment. Um, <laughs> Stacy spots the guy with the hat and glasses. Uh, Marianne freaks out all over again and sort of gives us some helpful historical context about the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. Uh, <laughs> it's a New York kidnapping. <laughs> I don't know if it is actually. Sorry. Yeah, um, I, I don't just know either. Because let's I assume so. I'm not sure. I yeah. Yeah, I don't think so but i could be wrong marianne wonders if they should disguise the children to try and evade the kidnapper um stacy points out this is a stupid idea but they're <laughs> definitely not going to tell the parents that the kids have a stalker uh because you know that would just be hassle so they decide that they're just going to be extra vigilant and it'll be fine um the stalker definitely mm. can't get past these two 13 year old girls so it'll be grand well so far they haven't but um Marianne can just stack up some canned goods and it'll be fine. <laughs> In a protective circle around the children, like, exactly. like a Wiccan thing. <laughs> Marianne, why are you surrounding us with tins of beans? <laughs> Christy is continuing to um, fret about Sonny, uh, which is the name that she's given the dog. It's short for Son of Louis because he looks vaguely like uh, he might have some collie in him. So she's decided he's the second coming of Louis the collie. <laughs> Um, and so she, um, comes back to the apartment after the boat tour and finds Mrs. Cummings sitting with Sonny and Christy immediately says, well, see you later and tries to leave. <laughs> How long are you planning on staying out? You're supposed to be here for like another several days. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so Lane physically drags her back in and is like, no, I'm not, I'm not handling this situation alone. <laughs> this is not my situation. This is your situation, Christy. Yes. Lane fully enabled this. Like, <laughs> she yes. did, but it's still not her situation. Um, it transpires that pets actually totally are allowed in the Dakota. And so all of Jesse's like elaborate improv diversions were like not necessary. Um, but the Cummingses are like, we really don't want a dog though, so you are gonna have to find somewhere for this dog to go, and like your parents seem to also not want this dog, and you need a plan. Just a, a it is a kind of a hilarious um, entanglement where like Lane uh, told Christy that the dog wasn't allowed in the house, but it's actually her parents who don't allow the dog in the house. So yes, yes, al- yeah. allowed this she whole just misunderstood. Um, I mean, misunderstandable. Yeah, understandable mistake. So um. Yeah, Christy finally, like, faces reality and accepts that she needs to either get the dog to his actual owner or find him a new owner. Um, She's not too picky about which of those happens. Yeah. Um, So they take him to a local, like, pay-what-you-can vet clinic, which sounds extremely made up. (laughs) And Sonny gets a clean bill of health for $10, which, yeah, also in central New York sounds extremely made up. I don't think you can get anything done for ten dollars. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I do like her explanation of um, I'm broke. I've spent all my money on supplies for Sunny. Hey, that sounds like a country western song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for like low cost vet clinics in New York, and I don't think there's a lot of them. Do seem to be grant programs. That's interesting. Uh, they do not apply for a grant to cover <laughs> checkup. God, it's like Anne didn't do any research for this at all. Maybe this was a thing. Uh, well, she lives in New York. She also thinks Juilliard is a middle school, though, so... (laughs) Juilliard, hi! (laughs) Yeah. So they put up a flyer, and Mrs. Cummings agrees to put an ad in the newspaper uh, advertising Mm -hmm. Sunny, which is very nice of her and kind of hilarious, because, like, it does make me think she's just really desperate to get rid of this dog. (laughs) (laughs) And so Christy waits to hear from anyone. Mm -hmm. Next, we have Dawn chapter... Dawn has decided she's finally ready to leave the apartment um, Mm -hmm. because she's survived eight nights sleeping near the fire escape. She survived the subway. She survived trips (laughs) out with her friends. She had survived a creep ringing the doorbell. So what if the creep turned out to be Richie? He was a stranger when he first came to the door. (laughs) So basically she's acknowledging that this is, um, this is a psychological problem that is happening. And she, she knows New York is a place that even if it is dangerous, you can walk around and have a life in. <laughs> as long as yeah. you have, like, Richie to guide you and keep you safe. Yes. Oh, God, I was so, so exhausted after this chapter. Like <laughs> They do a lot of touristing. They, yeah, they hike a lot. I don't know if they do, if the, the touristing that they describe here is physically possible. <laughs> Especially when one of you has a broken ankle. He has a broken ankle! <laughs> Okay, yeah, let's describe this day on the town. Everybody needs to be as exhausted as I am. Yes. Yeah. So they go out, they get a cab to Madison Avenue. Um, He gives her a spiel about how Madison Avenue is one of the finest shopping streets in the city. Here you will find Laura Ashley clothes, cowboy boots, boutiques and bookstores. It's the soup to nuts of the shopping world. (laughs) Which unintentionally cracked me up because I've only elsewhere heard the expression soup to nuts in Jack Reacher books. 
So I'm yes. just picturing him as this like <laughs> hardened tween like killing machine. <laughs> it's the souped nuts of the shopping world. But all I buy is a work shirt and some trousers that I'm going to throw away after this adventure. <laughs> I hate soup to nuts because um, when I first heard it again, I don't know what it was about. Um, and I assumed the nuts was being used in a colloquial sense. And I was like, what part of the body is meant to, is the soup meant to represent? <laughs> they walk around Madison Avenue until Richie's ankle begin, began to ache. Um, yeah. Richie is in a walking cast. Um, so e- even with that in mind, his ankle is already aching. And I think this is maybe like half an hour to an hour into this day. Yeah. <laughs> then we took a bus uptown, walked short distance to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Um, so they go into the museum and they look around at things. Rich, they mention Richie is walking slowly up the stairs, which is fine. Um, they uh, pay a small amount, the suggested donation, which uh, she also comments on as the, that's the thing that's nice. Um, then they decide that a museum is really not the best place for Richie. Too much standing. Oh, my God. <laughs> then he just walks everywhere in the world. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> then they walk out to Central Park. Like, at, I... That's not less standing. <laughs> Maybe he's at like some weird stage of it where it's like it actually hurts him less to walk than it does to just stand around. Maybe. Like a good brisk pace is better than a like almost standing standstill meander. I'm telling myself that so it makes some kind of sense. Yeah, but... no, that's kind of mm-hmm. almost definitely not a real thing, but we're just going to have to pretend. Yeah. He also says 840 acres of greenery outside <laughs> <by> the <Central laughs> park. Okay, Marianne, okay. <laughs> that, that's what Dawn says. Like, I didn't want to mention it, but he sounded an awful lot like Marianne. <laughs> yeah, oddly enough, Dawn is a lot more willing to tolerate this when it comes from a hot boy mm-hmm. than from Marianne. It, we won't ask questions about why she's really into this guy who reminds her of her sister. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Stepsister, it's fine. Uh... They get a cab, thank God, to something called Grand Army Plaza. Um, he points out the Plaza Hotel, the setting for the famed book Eloise, and also the place where years ago my father proposed to my mother. <laughs> then he points out more fine stores on Fifth Avenue, including like Stuben, which sells like fancy glass tableware. And again, I'm really not buying that these 13 year olds are super into it. <laughs> and yet. So they, they hike around some more because Richie has decided that it's lunchtime and rather than using this as an opportunity to like sit down in a goddamn cafe or something, he's like, street food! We have to try all the street food in New York. Um, so we find out that you can get a vegetarian taco because like they've thought of everything in New York. <laughs> Richie attempts to order for Dawn, which we have discussed many times is a no-no, but um, he says, two tacos, please. I think it's a taco stand where they sell tacos. That's it. You yeah, can order. Yeah, yeah. There's only one thing you can order a taco, and then he realizes, oh, vegetarian taco. I just, I just think though that this is a, such a change because um, she actually corrects him on it. Yes, uh, yes. On the vegetarian thing, and he listens to her imme- and changes it immediately, which is great. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then they go to a fancy chocolate shop, and he buys a box of fancy chocolates, and mm-hmm. she's like, "I don't really eat sweets," and he's like, "I'll just try one." And she does, and she's like, it was great. And then he didn't pressure me to eat anymore, and he gave the rest to his mother. <laughs> like, yeah. like Richie. Richie has some concept of boundaries. It's a tiny yeah. but very fancy gold-wrapped box of candy, which does not weigh five pounds. 
hell? Richie believes in quality over quantity. (laughs) There are two types of boys. Richie is actually a bit sophisticated, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Logan definitely is not. No. So then they hike around some more. Uh, They get off and on buses, but mostly they just walk around a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. Then... They end up in Soho. They eat, they have cappuccinos because it's the 90s. And Don is like, <laughs> it's like sitting outside a cafe in Paris. <laughs> like, many places have outside tables. Uh, I think it's it's like New York, actually. People might roll their eyes at you if you order a cappuccino in Paris. <laughs> yes. You can definitely, definitely get away with this in New York in 1991. They're being extremely on trend. Yes. They have Indian food and they have Italian food. They have cannoli with or without adaptogens. Um, <laughs> and Don has had a great time. All cannoli is full of adaptogens. You heard here first. Yeah. Cannoli, the new superfood. <laughs> <laughs> I can get behind this trend. Yes. I think we're all very on board with this trend. I don't even like, no, I don't like them, but you know, it's fine. I don't think I've ever eaten one, but... The adaptogens that I'm being offered repetitively through Facebook are in the form of mushroom tea. Yeah. Um, And it's also really trying to sell me on giving up coffee in favor of mushroom tea, which is just not... It's a, This is poorly targeted. How much do you hate yourself? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't hate myself at all. Definitely not enough to get this... Fucking bog water. <laughs> Don't talk to me before I've had my mushrooms, you guys. <laughs> One of the brands is called Dirty. Like, that's hilarious. I'm not going to fucking touch that. Get, get your adaptogens out of my face. <laughs> also, imagine like boiling mushrooms and drinking the leftover water. Oh, God. Ew. That's what they're selling you. Some of it also clearly has cocoa in it. It's chocolate mushroom juice, which I think is actually worse. It's like making a cup of cocoa with the water left over left over after you boil a bunch of mushrooms in it. I'm sad now. Why yeah. would you boil mushrooms? <laughs> to make tea. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. I'm not suggesting this is a, like a viable cooking method for mushrooms. I'm just saying that that's how they've made the tea. <laughs> yes. Either that or it's just powdered mushrooms and you mix them with water. Either way, it's gross. Why would you do that? I think the one, the ads that I get are definitely for like, it's an expensive powder. You're paying for the powdering process, basically. Powder, yeah. I pretty much just get ads for baby's clothes now. Kids clothes. (laughs) It could be worse. It's like, that's fine. I can accept that. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Mine oscillate between like mushroom tea and uh, bras for the middle-aged. And... (laughs) Oh, oh I do God. get various, yeah, <laughs> items of clothing for the middle-aged. All right, actually. I'm, I'm being more and more tempted by them. <laughs> I mean, the ad copy uses the phrase middle-aged is the problem I have with it. Oh, no. Ouch. That means that they're actually aimed at the over 60s. <laughs> oh, God. If I was over 60, I wouldn't be on Instagram, you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sad. It's only going to get sadder. Speaking of which, Marianne's doing her thing. Yes. <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> They're going to the South Street Seaport, which I had to Google. And it's basically, you know, in that one episode of The Simpsons when they gentrify the rundown port area. Oh, yes. And it gets all fancy. It's that, basically. <laughs> and there's a Pier 1 next to Pier 37. Yes, something exactly. Yeah. Those lines. And there's a faux dive bar that just leads you through a tunnel into Moe's and it's just actually a dive. Yeah, that, that place. It's basically that. Yeah. Um, it looks pretty cool. It, it still exists. It seems nice. Um, it's probably very expensive. Um, yeah. 
But basically everyone except for Claudia and Mallory are going. Claudia and Mallory are going to art class to have a bad time. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids all enthused. Oh yeah, they've brought Rowena and Alistair. Alistair is very excited for World of Nintendo. Mm-hmm. I'm very surprised that Anne thinks kids like this have even heard of Nintendo. Like I, I know, right? I I was fully expecting them to like think a hoop with a stick is the like cutting edge <laughs> of toy technology. Yes. <laughs> I have a ball. Perhaps you'd like to dance it. Exactly. Or Anne to not really understand like British class things and think that he would really like uh, soccer or football um, and not oh be God. like, no, that's going to be cricket and rugby. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, but yes, he's he's heard of Nintendo. Rowena asked for a toy store because Anne really did not do the research into how English people talk. Um Mm. calling bun- yes. bullshit on them saying store ever store is a verb in england you store things yes um they're still being stalked by the guy in the rain hat and glasses they're still definitely not going to tell an adult about it um marianne considers taking all the kids to an assortment of educational museums and something called the small craft collection which like if it's handicrafts or disappointing boats i don't think the kids are going to be into either way no I assumed it was handicrafts, but it is way more likely to be disappointing boats. I think it's probably disappointing boats. Yeah, I didn't think of that. I can't believe it didn't occur to me. <laughs> well, we know who's never been there. That's Anne. <laughs> Does not know what a small boat looks like. <laughs> That's a good point. Extremely true. <laughs> so Stacy and Marianne decide to like science this out and they split up. Each of them takes one kid and they decide to see which of them the stalker follows. I mean, yes, but also she split the party. <laughs> You're not <Yeah>. supposed to do. <laughs> what if we were like more defenseless? But then it turns <laughs> out that the guy somehow just bilocates and manages to stalk both of them, uh, which is not really explained or thought through. Mm-hmm. No, it's fine. Whatever. Uh, he's after both kids. Um Stacy is like, we really ought to tell their parents. And Stacy is like, I guess, but I'm mad at you for this, even though this is in no way your fault, Marianne. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, because the story needed to be stretched out a little bit longer, uh, the Harringtons are out and they won't see Stacy and Marianne again until Friday. So they have to wait for a while. Oh my god, I thought we were getting to the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's a super special. We're at page 86 of 119. Okay, we're the end is in sight. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> Just about. So Claudia and Mallory are on this field trip with their art class to this place called the Cloisters, which is where, like, Americans decided to, like, buy up a bunch of medieval buildings and pack them up and ship them over from Europe <laughs> and put them up in yeah. New York, which is just... Isn't... That's what happens at the start of Gargoyles. Is it? Which, yes. Gosh, that's where they got the idea. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you know, it just, it sounds so ridiculous. Um, but then I'm like, oh, but this is Saturday morning cartoon, so why not? Why the hell not? And then, um, they, if, no, they, they just actually do that sometimes. It's the Gilded <laughs> Age. We're just buying a chapel and bringing it home in our luggage. Ha-ha. In Gargoyles, they take this uh, medieval Scottish uh, castle full of um, animate gargoyles. Um, and then they reassemble it on the top of a skyscraper, which is very New York. <laughs> That's actually kind of cool. Uh, Gargoyles is like my husband's all-time favorite Saturday morning cartoon. Um, it's pretty good. It's got a pretty good story. Um, it's got half the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation doing voices. 
Oh, that's good. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Tragically, we do not meet sentient gargoyles in this. Um, we meet two resentful teens. Um, so Claudia explains to us uh, what the Cloisters is and also helpfully says that medieval does not mean halfway evil like she used to think, which is adorable. I did think that Aww. when I was like mm. four or five. That's very cute. But certainly by the time I was 13, I was aware that it was historical period. <laughs> well, Claudia's main like vocabulary influence is Janine and Janine is not into the humanities at all. So That's true. That's true. Janine is all STEM all the way. Yeah. <laughs> History is for losers who don't care about repeating mistakes. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah. Janine does not care. Oh dear. Yeah. That... that... <laughs> Yeah, that explains a lot about the current historical juncture. How we got here, yeah. <laughs> this is what our top geniuses think, yep. So Claudia sulks on the bus, uh, sitting alone in the back, um, while Mr. Clark and Mallory chat up at the front. I love that it doesn't occur to Claudia to like even make polite conversation with any of the other kids. It's like, no, fuck this, she's going to sit here with her own resentment. It's better <laughs> company than anyone else. One thing that's, that I thought of, there's no mention anywhere in these books that these classes are for children. Yeah, they could be random adults. I wonder, is everyone else an adult? Oh, maybe, yeah. You'd think you'd be nicer to the two children in the class if yes. most of your students were yes. over the age of 18. <laughs> yeah. Like, give them some guidance. He doesn't see age, just artistic ability and effort put in. <laughs> and if you've got good artistic ability, he's not going to mention it because he assumes you already know. I have a lot of questions about this place and I feel like everyone's parents got ripped off. I, I just think this place yes. is a bit of a scam, to be honest. <laughs> so Claudia is having a great time drawing um, pieces of chapels and Mallory is um, actually just bored at this point. She says, I'll go crazy if we have to do this all day. How can you keep drawing and drawing, Claudia? And Claudia says, it's in my blood. And Mallory's feelings are hurt. Um... I don't know what Mallory expected from a drawing class, but yep. mm -hmm. um, yet again, um, Mac comes over and gives out to Claudia for drawing too fast. Uh, so Claudia, as you described it, Karen, gets so angry that she stops having ADHD and <laughs> yes. works on one drawing for three and a half hours. She goes into a like intense hyper-focus and does a great drawing. It's, it's a clinically proven technique. And yes. always somebody mm -hmm. until they have more executive function. Yes. It's so repetitive. I know. The, all of these are, how many of these classes have we suffered through by now? Yeah. <laughs> like, three should be the maximum. <laughs> yes. It's it's plenty. And if it was only three, it felt like about eight. Mm. Um, but yes, Claudia has decided that uh, the drawing is no good and actually... Mac is going to tell her that she has no talent and she'll never make it as an artist. And she's frantically wondering if she can somehow monetize being the world's foremost Nancy Drew scholar, uh, which you probably <laughs> could monetize if you got an English degree. But yeah, oh, that didn't even occur to me. I was like, no, podcasts aren't going to be around for a while. <laughs> I guess I don't think of what I do as like monetizing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'll never be the, the college president. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they pay you, Karen. <laughs> yeah, I think so as well, come to think of it. <laughs> please, if you're any uncertainty on that, please check your bank account before you next do any work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just don't have that grind set. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> 
Claudia also worries that maybe she'll have to become a professional babysitter, which, like, is a thing. It's called a childcare worker. Yes. On the bus. Um, Mac insists on sitting next to Claudia and talking to her. And she's like, oh, God, this is the bit where you crush my dreams. And he tells her that, surprise, surprise, her three and a half hour drawing was actually better quality and she has lots of talent, but she needs some discipline. Um, and then she's like, so what's the deal with Mallory? And there he very unprofessionally gives her an honest assessment of Mallory's abilities as well. I'm like, dude, you can't do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading this and thinking that it was, um, it was a fair assessment of what's going on with Mallory. Um, I suppose I didn't pick up on it as a child. It's a fair assessment, but you should not be talking about another pupil's abilities to to one of your pupils. Like that is that is not best practice. I mean, he wasn't wrong. Yeah. The issue is not his assessment of Mallory. The issue is his telling a random other kid in the class. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean. I don't do this, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I sort of, as a child, didn't expect teachers to not do it. Anyway. If you um, had random children come in to audit your class, I bet you wouldn't, like, <laughs> trash talk them to each other. <laughs> I, I, that would be a very, that would be a tricky situation to <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be. One random 13-year-old who had audited your class would be like, what about this other child who audited your class? What about her work? And you'd be like, I can't talk about other students' work with other students. But your work was blah, blah, blah. There. See, was that so hard, Mac? Also, I'm sorry, Fiak is participating. I agree, Fiak. Yes. Anyway, he tells Claudia that she has great potential, but she needs to become disciplined. And Claudia is overjoyed because this means she won't have to face a tragic life of manual labor. Um... <laughs> And she magnanimously forgives Mallory for everything that Mallory did, which is not really much. Uh, Mallory did, she got the knife in a couple of times. It was only to be expected, but she did, yeah, <laughs> yeah. respond. She wasn't the perfect victim here, which is good. <laughs> I, th I think Mallory would have to have been a saint to have not lashed out at least a little absolutely. bit. Though. Oh yeah, no, no, absolutely. Claudia was being horrendous to her. Anyway, Mallory decides that she's not really into the idea of doing like fine art techniques and stuff like that. And she just wants to draw animals and mushrooms and raindrops. And so Claudia decides that there's room for both of them in the art world and it's fine and they can be friends again. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, over in the Dakota, um, Christy gets a call about the dog flyer that she put up. Um, but it's some guy who only wants a puppy for his kids and a three-year-old dog is too old. And... I hate this guy. Mm -hmm. Christy hates this yeah. guy. Everyone hates this yeah. guy. <laughs> what a douche. I, I I think it's extremely realist, far more realist than all the cockroach posters um, that somebody <laughs> has rung in about a poster that they're looking at and has not fully read it. Um, <laughs> yes. Even the, people with the information right in front of them will ring up and ask you every detail of the thing that they are looking at. <laughs> uh, yes, this is this is very true to life. Then a small boy called Brandon phones up and says that he's nine years old and very responsible and he wants a dog. And his <laughs> parents have said he's allowed to have a dog. Um, Christy is very, very reluctant to give the dog up, but she grudgingly agrees to go over and visit him. Brandon lives in a socially improbable place because he's four <laughs> blocks away from Lane's literal like mansion of celebrity apartments. But also, it's really lower middle class there. 
Yeah. There isn't very much. Sonny and I reached Brandon's block, which wasn't as fancy as Stacy's. The buildings were smaller and some looked run down. Okay. Yeah. Um, the hallway was dark and shabby and there was no elevator. Okay. Sorry. Yes. The apartment is small. The furniture is old and worn. These people are like, they sound like us, basically. Clearly I yeah. skim read this. <laughs> God, Karen. They sound really normal. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. They're not millionaires and Christy is used to the homes of millionaires basically <laughs> but it's also extremely physically close to the homes of millionaires and handy for Central Park so <sighs> yeah maybe this is what rent control means I don't know <laughs> I don't know yeah it's uh we have our suspicions mm -hmm. but also we don't know enough about New York to be confident about this but at the same time yep I'm calling bullshit <laughs> anyway Brandon is very nice and falls in love with Sonny immediately. And Brandon's dad is very nice. And Christy decides that she can bear to part with Sonny if he's going to this kind, though, lower middle class family. And there's a happy ending. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. What was it you said? They, they not only do these books need to externalize poverty, they need to externalize lower middle classness. <laughs> yeah. Like, nobody in Stony Brook lives like this. Yeah. Somebody had crocheted afghans for the couch and dry flowers were arranged in vases. <laughs> That's how you know they're respectable. It's like, it's fine, you guys. They they still make an effort. They're not those sort of poors. Exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. They're yeah. humble but respectable poors. It's fine. They can yeah. be trusted with this dog that you found in a bush. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Then we have a Mallory chapter. Uh, it's her description of the trip to the cloisters. Um, mm -hmm. She is being driven mad by all of this, like, drawing classes. She says, if I had to draw another building or statue or cardboard box, my head would explode. It would not be a pretty sight. Of course, I've never seen an exploded head, but I can't imagine that it would be a pretty sight. <laughs> I like this, like, recurring tick in Mallory's chapters, and I kind of wish, like, we got more of it in subsequent books. I need to clarify that I'm not being literal. <laughs> yeah. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place doesn't exist yet. <laughs> Um, yeah, poor Mallory has had a shit week. <laughs> yeah, she really has. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's in a she's in an art class that her parents have already forked out the money for, so she has to complete, and it's just really not what she wants in an art class. <laughs> and also, Claudia's being horrible to her. I liked Mac, and I didn't want to hurt his feelings by not showing up. Oh, bless. He would not have noticed. No, and that's not a good... Um, that That's... That, it's a bad lesson. It's a bad lesson for... That's how authority figures get to abuse their power. <laughs> yeah. He's not doing it in this case, um, even if he's a crap teacher, but yeah. Uh, anyway. Just, yeah. Just not a good <laughs> habit to be in. No. <laughs> no. You should snub authority fi figures every now and again, just to keep in practice. <laughs> and yeah, just to keep them on that. their toes. Yes. And also, too. this guy is turning up and claiming a salary for nothing. <laughs> yeah. So on the bus... Uh, Mallory and Mac trade YA book recommendations because obviously. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> oh my god, this book! I read the Wikipedia entry on it and was like, you know the way you read a, a, a description of a book and you're like, that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, th this sounds very nonsensical and extremely tragic. It's <laughs> somewhere to die. You mean it's it's not a rip roaring laugh fest? No, it doesn't sound like one, funny enough. <laughs> oh, it's Lois Lowry again. Mm. Those were the kind of books that I avoided like the plague when I was a teenager. I was like, yeah. why 
why would an adult buy this for a kid? Why would you want to set them up to have a bad time for a few hours? Why would an adult write this for kids? Why Why do adults want to make kids sad? What is wrong yeah. with people? Yeah, that was my take. Though a friend of mine has a kid who from like the earliest of like choosing her own media was like, I want the sad ones. I want to cry. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I don't know if that's still holding true now that she's like 15 or 16, but... I did not and do not get that, but I, the only Lois Lowry book I was ever given as a kid was the one about the Holocaust because, um, okay, sometimes people ethnically stereotype you and give you books about the Holocaust just because you're oh, Jewish. Wow. Okay. You, they literally, that's why you were given a book about the Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wow. Great. <laughs> I think everybody else should be forced to read books about the Holocaust. Yeah. I know I read an awful lot of books about the Holocaust, but like there was nothing pointed about them being given to me. <laughs> yeah. I think I think actually you should get a pass for, to like not have to read books about the Holocaust if you're Jewish. It's like... Yeah. Like you're... <laughs> no, we're going to make you sit down and read The Boy in the Striped Pajamas right now. Oh, God. <laughs> Stop hate criming me, Eva. That, that would be a hate crime even if you were Jewish, Esther. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, it's in the same way I feel like you kind of get a pass on not donating to charities for diseases that you have. Because yeah. it's like, <laughs> I could just keep the yeah. money myself and that way I'm getting the benefit more directly. <laughs> yeah, I can't the middleman. No, agreed. Um, That's extremely fair. <laughs> uh, I will say that the Lois Lowry's Anastasia books are good crack. Um, so the, yeah. the one about the Holocaust wasn't good crack, but I believe yeah. you. <laughs> I think the only ones I've read were some of the Anastasia books and I still remember the name of the guy she had a crush on was Washburn Cummings. <laughs> amazing. That's an amazing name. Uh, so yeah, they're they're talking about tearjerkers. We get yet another recommendation for Find a Stranger Say Goodbye, aka the only book about adoption that Anne has ever heard of, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she attempts to draw buildings in the cloisters, but then she decides to draw cute um, mice in clothes instead and make up stories about the mice having the adorable adventures and for her. she finally finds Thank creative you. fulfillment and, and I love that for her yeah yes. it's it's a fun written sequence as well where she like she takes her previous drawing and enhances it with cute field mice wearing jackets and caps and things and you get each bit by bit and you're like that's delightful yes yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of realism I want <laughs> I think like yeah, we do. there's a point that Anne is kind of trying to make that she could have made a bit more forcefully about how like both of the girls are good at art in their own way and doing their own thing and it's okay that like they like different styles and stuff like that but like yeah I'm not really sure Mallory is vindicated here it's just like Mallory is gonna go make like twee basic art and be happy and that's very nice but we all know Claudia is the talented one here <laughs> that, that, that yeah. does sound like what they are that's, saying when actually Mallory legit. is an illustrator and like yeah they're, they're just there's no acknowledgement that people have different styles at all um, yeah <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> in, weird in the, in the Netflix did they do this no, the, no. The, yeah if they did it um, it would be one of those things where the correct course of action would leave you with no plot <laughs> um, and no conflict, but actually Mac should have been like, oh, I get to hoosh her out the, out the door and down the hall into the illustration class. And then exactly. they come, they meet up again at the end of the day and compare the stuff they did. And it's like, wow, our styles are so different. Ha ha. Like, no, that's not what happens. Or she does an animation workshop or character design workshop or something like yeah. that. Yeah, character design is exactly what she's kind of doing. Uh, and it's like 90% of the way to making a really good point here and just 
kind of whiffs mm-hmm. it <laughs> uh, because like <laughs> Mallory's whole arc here is definitely meant to be like the consolation prize and Claudia's Claudia wins at this fine art yeah <laughs> Claudia is good at art Mallory is like oh I guess she can draw mice yeah in clothes <laughs> yeah um and like there's a market for that it's fine she might you know have her own line of stationery and make washi tapes and it's adorable yeah that's probably more lucrative than yeah <laughs> <laughs> writing and illustrating children's books i mean it's probably more il- more illustrative than being like good at claudia's style of art or more uh, lucrative than lucrative being a fine artist that's what i'm thinking we know very little about the content of claudia's art beyond she sculpted jackie radowski's head <laughs> she refused to sculpt a fire extinguisher um so that's a good sign. <laughs> yes. She's not going to fit into this New York art world where, um, I, I mean, I, I hear people talk about fine art and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> it's, it's so cool that this guy did a thing where there are metal plates all over the floor and the whole point of it is that you get to walk on it. Um, and that makes him one of the greatest artists of the 20th century. Um, this is a guy who uh, murdered his wife, by the way. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have listened to this podcast at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wow, I do not come off well in that statement. We <laughs> <laughs> knew what you meant. We what you meant. We knew what you meant. I like my art with a side of misogynistic violence, thank you. <laughs> no. That's not it. I mostly don't like art at all. Okay, no, let's move on. <laughs> that was some great conversational flailing. <laughs> yep, that was beautiful. Nobody put me on live TV ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Mallory decides she's going to write a story about two mice who go to New York and have adventures. And it sounds cute as hell. And I'm very happy for her. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Jesse goes out with Quint again. They go to the ballet. Then they drink egg creams because they're in New York. And Anne has read Harry at the Spy, which has egg creams in it a lot. And mm-hmm. so we need to hear about it. Um I would kind of like to try one sometime, just for science. Jesse gets to have a treat because Quint is having one, um, and I, let, I'm I'm just happy that Jesse is getting to have something that isn't a diet soda. That's true. Mm. Yes, she initially orders a diet soda and then decides to go for it because Quint is having a, a treat and she has a treat. Mm-hmm. And yes, we we her. support hashtag Let Jesse have junk food. Yeah, nineteen ninety one. He agonizes some more about whether he should audition for Juilliard and she tells him that like, you know, they've experienced prejudice, but they've got to just buckle up and get on with things anyway. And he should totally go to Juilliard. And he's like, okay, on condition that you come with me when I tell my parents about this. Because for some reason, he's very afraid to tell his parents that he wants to go to Juilliard for reasons that are not really clear, because they're very supportive and very nice. And they're like... Great, cool. Okay, let's do that. In the in the meantime, I googled Juilliard, and <laughs> their dance program is fully a BA. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe you could skip six grade. <laughs> yeah. In 1991, but he, he's also currently on a routine of doing one dance class a week. So, like. I don't think he's even a hothouse child prodigy. Like, he's just a guy who's no. quite good and has been to a lot of ballets. <laughs> yes. 
this is one of the most the more ludicrously unresearched like just and why even even pre-internet i don't think in new york it would have taken a lot of time to find out so is it a college or is it like the school from fame because i think she's mixed it up with the school from fame (laughs) yes i think that's what's happened we can't acknowledge that fame exists no um so we're just going to put Juilliard. Yeah, we're just going to call instead. it Juilliard. <laughs> um, then Jessie heads home and she realises that her trip is nearly over and Quint is going out of town. And so this is the t- the moment that they have to say goodbye and he kisses her. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh. On the cheek? No. I Ooh. think it's on the lips because he tips her chin up Ooh. to do it. So I think it's a for real kiss. Full on kiss. The following day is Friday. It's the last Friday of the trip. And Stacy and Marianne decide that it's finally time to come clean to the Harringtons about the fact that their children have a stalker. Jesus. Um, Marianne says that she actually still doesn't want to tell the parents because it's too weird. Like, yeah, definitely don't tell people their kids are being stalked because it might be uncomfortable. I'm like, who wants that? Oh my God. Stacy, Stacy is fully in on the drama of this. They've decided that the kids maybe have accidentally got some stolen diamonds or a microfiche that got smuggled into their backpacks on the plane over. <laughs> microfiche. <laughs> Poor Mr. Harrington, I thought. This could be his last happy moment. In a few seconds, he would find out that his beloved children were in mortal danger, being followed by a kidnapper, a dastardly criminal, possibly an international spy. Then there is just some, like, actual farce. Like, <laughs> everyone is just, like, not, not bringing their A-game here. <laughs> So the girls tell the Harrington parents uh, the full story about the stalking and um, Stacy starts to babble about the microfilm and the diamonds and everything. And Mrs. Harrington calls a man called Bill out of another room and he comes out and Stacy is like, oh no, maybe this guy is a spy. Maybe the Harringtons are all spies. Maybe actually we're about to be kidnapped. Bill then goes back into the other room and returns wearing sunglasses and a rain hat at which point Marianne goes ah there's that guy and Stacy is like no it's Bill the man we just saw seconds ago without sunglasses and a rain hat Marianne do you have face blindness (laughs) you know how Superman disguises himself as Clark Kent by putting on glasses (laughs) yes Um, I think this is the same school of um... disguise yeah what the actual hell like this is this is very unconvincing all of this so anyway it turns out bill is the family bodyguard because they're international diplomats and actually the kids totally are a kidnapping risk so they have a bodyguard but they didn't tell stacy and marianne about him because they didn't want them to feel self-conscious or nervous uh so they just let these girls believe they were being stalked around new york yeah I, we prefer you to be ambiently terrified. Yeah. Um, it makes you a better babysitter for our children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it keeps you on your toes. You were very alert all week. Yeah. Um, so yes, it turns out Bill is nice and he their balloons were in fact stolen and he bought replacements but got the wrong colours. And <sighs> Marianne was not going crazy. I thought you had to be kind of observant to be a bodyguard. Yeah, like it's not great that like he couldn't get that right how many colors of balloon are there he got one right though yeah. to be fair <laughs> it's like this isn't my fucking job <laughs> and could have been avoided um so much of this could have been avoided yeah i i really feel like if you're if there is an actual threat to your children um 
then like surely everybody involved in their care should be briefed. Um, yes. Especially because that threat then extends to the, the teenagers. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, yes. This is another child endangerment issue. <laughs> like the teenagers' parents should probably have signed off for this high security, high stakes babysitting assignment. Yes. <laughs> Like, oh yeah, I'm sure if the kids get kidnapped out from under the girls, the girls will be fine. They won't be like any kind of collateral. There there are also, they're in New York. I'm sure you can get like a high security nanny <laughs> you know, who, who's got like, you know, training in this type of thing. And they'll take your kids to Central Park and also can handle, I don't know, she's, she's got a gun and the, her, her boot or something like that. She's proficient yeah. in 17 forms of unarmed combat. <laughs> like, yes. No, two rando teens and a man in a hat is all you need fine don't even stress about it so yes they go off to the hard rock cafe they have an obligatory hard rock cafe product placement lunch because you got to do that in these <laughs> books uh bill eats at a discreet distance wearing his hat and sunglasses he's really not great at skulking either like mm. no <laughs> he doesn't have to skulk from the babysitters he should take off the hat and sunglasses indoors that would make him more concealed than yeah. Well, I think the idea is like that the kids aren't supposed to know he's around because it makes them self-conscious. Because they know who he is. They reckon that if they recognize him as Bill, they'll be like, oh, I thought we were trying to pretend to be normal, incredibly wealthy, incredibly posh English children and on a holiday to New York being minded by some random teenagers <laughs> who came across our family randomly. Uh, yeah. So he could wear whatever. As long as the kids didn't recognize him under it, he could wear like a giant paper mache Mickey Mouse head. <laughs> Like, <laughs> he should be mixing it up at least a bit. I want to see this like the American style. I want him to have an entire cupboard full of wigs and prosthetic noses and stuff and just keep changing around. Yes. Why did you even get into this career path if you weren't going to do that? Exactly. It's low effort. Meanwhile, Bill is sitting there going, I'm a really good bodyguard. I'm not a spy, guys. <laughs> yes. I want to wear a suit and an earpiece and hang out with you. <laughs> Down in the corner of the room while you yeah, get yeah. up to stuff. This has just overall been poorly managed. Um, mm. Yes, the Harringtons do not know what they're about. Mm. Then they finish their trip with a night out. Um, Mr. Cummings has hired a limo for the girls. Um, Claudia is disappointed that it doesn't play Home on the Range when you press the horn, but it does play La Cucaracha, so that's good enough. <laughs> um, they go to some of Lane's favorite stores. Um, they go to a shop called Mythology, which I looked up and sounds kind of awesome. And I think it's what, like, you know, the weirdo gift shops that we recently got, like, very nostalgic about that used to be in Temple Bar? Yeah. Yes. I think Mythology is basically what those shops were imitating. Uh, it looked like <laughs> 20 years, years later. <laughs> yes. Um, no, 10 years. 10, 10 years, years later. later. Yeah. It is tragically no more. Uh, they go to Tavern on the Green, which we looked at for a previous episode and was very fancy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Although the first time I ever heard of Tavern on the Green was because in the Flintstones movie, they go to Cavern on the Green. Ooh. <laughs> Marianne declares it to be so elegant that it's not so much a restaurant as a fine dining experience. <laughs> she has not a hint of self-awareness when she says this. Marianne is a lot. Just so subsequent to this, they all um, decide to uh, get the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> because it seemed safe. <laughs> uh, is Dawn eating the chicken? I don't even know. They go to a tragically unidentified Broadway show. I think we can assume it's Starlight Express again, because like that show's <laughs> never going to close. But uh, I do wish we had got more details. Um, 
Claudia spills M&Ms everywhere. They generally act inappropriately and disreputably. <laughs> and a good time is had by all. I, I yes. love this, though. Yeah, one M&M, one M, bounced onto this <laughs> yes. lady's shoe and she I didn't feel it, so it that. stayed there. And, and then the, um, they they just become gradually more hysterical. I, I think maybe this isn't Starlight Express. Maybe this is something serious. Maybe this is Summer of My German Soldier, the musical. Oh, no. <laughs> no, which is the one that, uh, no, this is Find a Stranger, Say Goodbye, the, um, the stage show. <laughs> And there they are going, um, and it gets worse and worse, and the M&M stays push. I can't imagine how this woman has like, not moved her feet for an hour, but... Um, she's just really yeah, compelled I, by the tragic tale of when you find your birth mom and she's kind of disappointing. And the many musical numbers associated with this. Anyway, it ends with, I don't think we were very good audience members, which... <laughs> is delightful. I love this kind of scenario. <laughs> it's very, it's very like believable. This is what happens if you have this many like tweens unattended on a night on the tent. They're going to be riotous and it'll be fun. Yes. It'll be awful for everyone around them. And it's a miracle they didn't get kicked out of the theater. <laughs> but like, I'm picturing our friend group at that age, like how like chaotic and noisy and hysterical we would have been and how much fun it would have been yeah it would have been great <laughs> so we get to the epilogue uh they get home their families are embarrassing again at the station mm-hmm. the pike kids have like done a desktop publishing they've made a banner on computer paper because their computer does graphics uh which yes. is adorable <laughs> and it's got like clip art of the statue of liberty and the state of connecticut and yeah i'm in love with it very pixelated yes <laughs> amazing and i really want it to be on that computer paper with like the little tear off strips at the side with the holes I'm in it which is so mean. satisfying because be. all the paper yep. is just paper it's just paper yeah <laughs> that's computer that's what computer paper is i miss it so much i can still like absolutely hear and feel what it was like to tear the strips off it was like a very particular sensory experience. I only came across it, ever came across it on my Uncle Oliver's house. But like there were unlimited amounts of it at Uncle Oliver's house. Ooh. <laughs> was your Uncle Oliver a foreign spy or something? Uh, no, I believe he was a, 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 he was a computer engineer who trained in such, in the, uh, to be such in the 60s or 70s. Oh, wow. <laughs> a punch card guy. Amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah. We had a lot of that as well. The families are embarrassing. Um, Claudia's parents respectively say, you're back and you made it home safely. Claudia asks, or Janine asks if they went to the IBM Gallery of Science and Art. Um, (laughs) Claudia is so disgusted by all of them that she just ignores everything they've said. If Claudia wasn't so up in her own grill, um, she would be able to ask Dawn what that was like, because Dawn definitely went to that museum and every other museum on her day out in the town of Richie. (laughs) Yes. Uh, and then Claudia revels in explaining the cloisters to Janine because Janine knows nothing about the humanities. <laughs> Claudia puts together everybody's reminiscences to make an illustrated trip diary and we get the um, closing montage of everybody's letters to each other. Uh, Claudia writes to Mac that she's working on a still life and she's taking ages on it, which is causing some problems because it includes an egg and her mom was worried the egg will go bad. <laughs> It's fine, just don't break it. Mallory writes a very polite note to the Cummingses and tells them about her field mice story that she's working on. Uh, She asks them, do you happen to know how many bathrooms are in the Plaza Hotel? If not, don't worry. I bet Marianne knows. (laughs) (laughs) Quint has got into Juilliard 
Improbably. <laughs> He's gone into Juilliard Middle School. Yep. <laughs> Sonny is doing fine in his new home. Richie is getting his cast off soon. Um, uh, Alistair writes a poorly spelled note saying that he licked New York and Rowena licked the toy store, which all sounds very <laughs> unhygienic. <laughs> well, he actually licked New York, which is my favourite version of this, this city. I think it should be renamed. <laughs> new York. New York. Um and that is super special number six, New York, New York. Yeah. <sighs> we made it. We made it. <laughs> we made it. Karen, in your considered assessment of everybody's emotional journeys and literal journeys in this book. Would you say that everyone was terrible? Well, you know, I am never one to judge. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, the face. Um, uh, some people make bad decisions, uh, <laughs> namely Alistair and Rowena's parents. Um, <laughs> yeah. Most people, most people's behavior is fine. Um, Claudia certainly is really, really terrible towards Mallory. Um, she's, she's in a lot of uh, emotional distress. Mac is a terrible teacher. Yeah, Mac is a, is a pretty poor teacher. I think Falmy is a grift. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I think that whole thing is just like, they're just ripping people off. He's just, I mean, he is an artist, but he doesn't actually, he hasn't made a ton of money from it recently and he's got a cocaine habit, so. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's yes. not a teacher. Yeah, no, he, he is not. <laughs> yes, other than that, um, no, do you know, people are, the people in this are sort of complex and the representations are not, they're not really that one note. Um, I, I quite like that, that like pe- people aren't like good or evil. Um, they are just, they're doing a lot of things and some of them are misguided or involve misunderstandings. So uh, yeah, it's not, it's not too bad. Um, we do, uh, <laughs> I, I quite enjoyed Claudia's Dark Night of the Soul, to be honest. It went out <laughs> on for way too many <laughs> lessons, but <laughs> her kind of moodily eating a pretzel and <laughs> looking at ads for roach motels is great. So yeah. Um, no, uh, I, I declare people to be uh, non-terrible. Yay! We have a few fashion points. Um, the most fashion people are the creepy English kids, but um, <laughs> oh, let's God, see. Yes. There's so many cowboy boots in this book. Like, they keep being mentioned. Even, like, Richie mentioned them as something you could buy on Madison Avenue. I don't really remember cowboy boots having a moment in 1991, but apparently they really were. Maybe they did in America. Maybe. I love the idea that, um, uh, you know, there's one part of the of America that's, like, really associated with cowboy boots. And it's New York. <laughs> yeah, it is in these books. Yeah, apparently. When they're packing to go to New York, Stacy is bringing black leggings, some with stirrups on the feet, some without, and baggy black and white and red tops. She would probably pack or wear her black cowboy boots. Stacy and Claudia both look good in black and white. Um, Stacy also wears very chilly jewellery and she might sprinkle glitter in her hair. I have to say, I love a oh. bit of hair glitter. I have a lot of time for that. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's like a gel. <laughs> Just putting the craft stuff in your hair is... Mm. <laughs> that's going to go everywhere. I also love the description that um, Lane is dressed in a black and white Stacy-like outfit and no more detail is given. Like, she's just dressed like a Stacy, you know, sophisticated. Oh, very enough. The English kids who are dressed, obviously like all English children, always dress. 
<laughs> Alastair was wearing a white sailor suit with navy blue trim, white knee socks and black shoes that buckled at the sides. They looked a little like Mary Jane's, only they weren't shiny. Rowena was wearing a white sailor dress similar to Alastair's suit, white tights, red Mary Jane's and a red hat. I don't remember the last time I saw a child wearing a hat that wasn't dripping with melted snow and smelling of wet wool. Perched on Rowena's head was a round straw hat held in place by an elastic band under her chin. Red ribbons trailed from the back of the hat. If Kate and William's children showed up to a formal state event dressed like this, the tabloid press would be like, this is a bit much, guys. <laughs> well, that is exactly... The, that, those are the only like social level of children who still dress like this. Yes, literally. And, and even then, you kind of know that they're being forced into it because there's going to be a lot of cameras on them on this particular day. <laughs> yeah, it's like state protocol clothes. Yeah. On the boat trip, the kids are dressed not in sailor suits. I mean, sailor suits would seem like the obvious thing to wear on a boat trip, actually. Alistair is wearing grey pants, red suspenders, a red bow tie and a white shirt. Rowena is wearing a grey skirt, red suspenders, a red headband and a white blouse. They sound kind of like they're working in TGI Fridays. (laughs) Do they have enough pieces of flair on them? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. Well, I don't know. Are they any good at working in TGI Fridays? <laughs> I, I, I imagine they would have difficulty carrying those big trays of food. That's true. Um, They're very small. They would sing happy birthday very enthusiastically to people. Yes. Uh, yeah. They are not incognito unless I guess they, if they're in TGI Fridays. <laughs> this is not good if you're trying to have a, you send your kids out into the city for a low key, like yes. enjoyable holiday. To mingle and not look like the kids of Edwardian diplomats. Like, get them some fucking jeans or whatever (laughs) then when they go to the south street seaport um they say that we could have been transported to another century except that the people were wearing blue jeans or leggings black cowboy boots silly t-shirts and green foam statue of liberty souvenir headdresses (laughs) i i think like the line dancing craze has just hit or something yeah that could be it um did that have the same um, kind of impact in the US? Because like, I presume there are places where line dancing just happens. Organically. But then it sort of infiltrated Europe yeah. in a way that was really weird and like just spread through. I did get some DMs saying that like Garth Brooks was very big in Canada. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I feel like where Garth Brooks goes, line dancing is sure to follow. So, <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Yeah, God, I don't know. The mind boggles. But yeah, I think like off screen, someone is line dancing at all times in this book. <laughs> um, wearing those, uh, a hat that makes you look like the Statue of Liberty is presumably the equivalent of wearing the um, the, the bright green... Um... Leprechaun hats. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With the like red hair poking out under the top. Oh God. Yeah. Those are yeah. equally bad, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we can compete on an international stage of tackiness. <laughs> Oh, we'll give it our best shot. Yes, we definitely will. Then on the last night out, um, the girls all dress up. Uh, the eight of us look like models or something, even Christy. She was wearing a long cotton sweater, black leggings and black shoes. She had borrowed everything from Lane. The rest of us were wearing short skirts or dresses, leggings, you know, the layered look. <laughs> it's extremely 1991. They had a lot less um, fighting over fashion than they did in the last New York book. They did, but I think that's because, like, Stacy went through everyone's luggage before they left to make sure nobody brought anything embarrassing. <laughs> Amazing. Christy just wasn't allowed to bring any clothes, so she has to borrow things off lane. <laughs> yes. Okay. No, no turtlenecks. 
Okay. I'm just going to check the wiki because I have no idea what our next book actually is. I have some good news for you in the meantime. Oh, yes. The perforated paper, for some reason, is still available to buy. Um, <laughs> wow. And we could get it from an Irish uh, online supply store. Um, you could have uh, 2,000 sheets of it for uh, €51.90, excluding VAT, <laughs> uh, in one to two days, if that's what you want, if you need that sensory experience, Esther. <laughs> I'm impressed. Um Thank you. Is it huntoffice.ie or Viking Direct? It's huntoffice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, did you Google this in the meantime? No, I'm just <laughs> enough of a nerd that I know the two most, <laughs> like, the two Irish stationery suppliers that come up when you try to buy office supplies. <laughs> you have them on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you are a bigger nerd than me, it's official, but only slightly. I had to at least Google to know which one was which. Um <laughs> Yeah, I guess some people must have printers that still use these, which is incredible. That's amazing. I mean, I would have kind of assumed that stuff was only available to like movie studios for making like techno thrillers set in 1989. Basically, <laughs> the Tetris movie. Just that. <sighs> okay, so what's our next book? Our next book is Christy and the Baby Parade. Ooh, that sounds like fun. That sounds like balls to the wall babysitting. It sounds like balls to the wall babysitting with a side of illegal daycare and maybe all the girls are going to get too invested in this and have a big fight. I'm excited. I can't wait. Yeah, we haven't had competitive babysitting for yes. a while. <laughs> In the meantime, hit us up on the social. We're on Facebook and Tumblr and Instagram as the podcast at Dawn's House. We are on Twitter as at Podcast Dawn. We are on Mastodon at something that neither of us can remember and Aoife's not here anymore. Aoife always yells at us that it's the same thing um, that we are on Twitter. So... At like, mastodon.ie or something. Yeah, it's it's that. If you know how to mastodon, you'll be able to find us. Is I anyone even still on mastodon or has it gone extinct? No idea. Oh, also, I'm going to jump in here and say that we have a Kofi, and that's all we're going to say about it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you can drop us an email at the podcast at donshouse at gmail.com. <laughs> Amazing. Or you can send us a fax. <laughs> Um, on our dot matrix fax machine <laughs> that we will have by the time that this goes out. Uh, I'm gonna let you handle that. <laughs> oh my god, I want to get us a fax number. I want to get us an official podcast fax now. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna see if I can do that. That would be hilarious. See if Huntavos.ie will sell you one for like the amount of money we have on our Kofi account. <laughs> I'll have to set it up on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it, like we we don't do terrestrial land, like phone numbers anymore okay <laughs> that's it this sounds like an amazing use of your time and resources <laughs> um in conclusion the only thing that there is to say is brilliant jesus christ <laughs> <laughs>